into disrepair if the development wasn't given the go-ahead. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, sent this report from the council meeting. Whilst there were concerns about the impact on the view of the historic sheds, the number of homes and the fact it's being built in the countryside, the plans went through by six votes to two. The plans will see the shed one fully restored, which the applicant says would not have been possible otherwise. And there's been assurances there'll be more trees planted to help neutralise the impact of nearly 600 homes. The latest economic figures are expected to show that growth last year reached just under 2%, the best performance since before the recession. But growth is still below the level it reached in 2007. The business secretary, Vince Cable, says the recovery is real but fragile. A committee of MPs has criticised the royal household for spending more than it receives and failing to keep its buildings in good repair. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs, possibly by cutting back on present levels of staffing. A man has been slashed in the face with a knife at a car park in Dunstable. He was trying to stop a woman being attacked. Lee Agnew has the details. The attack took place last Thursday afternoon in a residential parking area on Southwood Road. The 35-year-old man stepped in when he saw the woman being assaulted. He was slashed several times across the face and head with a knife before being bitten twice on the nose. The offenders, described as a white man of Mediterranean or Arab appearance, in his early 50s of average build and wearing a dark baseball cap, green jacket and blue jeans. And a doctor from New Zealand has fought off a shark which had bitten his leg before swimming back to shore, stitching up his wound and popping to the nearest pub for a beer. James Grant, who's 24, was taking part in a spearfishing competition near Colac Bay off the south coast when he was attacked by what he believes was a seven-gill shark, which can grow up to ten feet long. The weather, further heavy showers today, but also some sunny spells and clear intervals with a high of seven Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Thank you, Jane. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. I'll give you the contact details shortly. Here's some of the things we've got. As you heard in the news there, people living in one part of Bedford fear their neighbourhood has become the town's front line. They're telling us that the Midland Road area has been left to criminals who will carry on as they were once the current police crackdown comes to an end. And we've also got the story of a Buckinghamshire man who hopes the story of his life will sell well enough to fund his death. Intrigued? You should be, shouldn't you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, people living in uh, one part of Bedford say they need to see more police on patrol in order to feel safe. Residents say the Midland Road area has been going downhill for some time, but they're feeling more fearful after a fatal stabbing in Costin Street on Saturday. Well, Catherine Boyle joins me in the studio. Catherine, remind us what happened this weekend. Yeah, well, uh, police were called to Costin Street on Saturday night to reports of a stabbing, which is thought to have taken place just after a quarter past six. And that's where they found teenager Isaac Stone with serious injuries, from which, unfortunately, he didn't recover. At the time, a Bedfordshire police spokeswoman told us that she believed a number of people ran from the scene of that stabbing and witnesses were encouraged to come forward. In the meantime, the area was sealed off while a forensic investigation took place. And the following day, we were told a 20-year-old man had 
had been arrested on suspicion of murder. And there's a real feeling of fear there now. Yes, and our reporter found that there has been a feeling of fear there for some time. The people we spoke to told us the area has been left to become something of a no-go area in the town. And this latest incident is proof that things are getting even worse. Here's what they told our reporter, Tony Fisher. You're on the, this is the front line, this is Bedford front line. Bedford front line, what do you mean by that? It's front line street. Drugs. It's main street, yeah, it's a main street. Look at it. Over the years there's been crime. You know. What should they do about it? Try and redevelop it? Maybe, yeah, maybe that would solve things. Does that solve things? I'll tell you what, I've been stopped, like, I got lucky because my lung was down, I've been stopped three years ago, you know. My friend's been dying here on this road, yeah. T- same few years ago, yeah. And, Who was that? Uh, uh, well, the best my friend, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Few years ago, he been stopped, same to death, yeah. On, on road. Midland Road. Yeah, Midland Road. Yeah. Few, few years ago, yeah. So this road, I don't know why. Always is someone dying on this road. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's crazy. You know? Anything that could be done about Midland Road? More policing, I would say. Well, I'd say more policing than anything. There don't seem to be any police about anymore like there used to be. I think that has a big effect on the area. I'm sure if there were police about, a lot of this wouldn't happen. But it's one of the, it's one of these areas, it's one of these places. It's always been suspect to sort of crimes and things like that. So, I don't know, I need to police it more. That's in my, my eyes, definitely. Look after your own family, look after yourself, and that's it. That's all you can do. Are you happy with your daughter living just off this road? No. I've lived here for years, but it's just got worse. I'm terrified to walk anywhere, you know, when it gets dark. Well, it doesn't even matter if it's dark now. <laughs> when I got the taxi home, you couldn't move here. It was just gang, just gangs. Yeah. It is bad. It frightens me sometimes, I must admit, walking down here. I don't know, it's just the way this road is. It's always been like that. How can you change something that's always been the same? Well, what do Bedfordshire police have to say about all this? Well, we did ask them to come on and speak to them for themselves this morning. Unfortunately, they declined to mm. join us, but sent the following statement, which is read by one of our colleagues. Well, the incident at the weekend is shocking and subject to a separate investigation. It was a targeted incident. Bedfordshire police is committed to reducing crime and the fear of crime in the Midland Road area. A dedicated officer has now been assigned to the area to tackle ongoing issues that affect the community who live and work there, such as antisocial behaviour, including beggars and street drinkers. They are soon to be joined by a second dedicated colleague to ensure a uniform police presence seven days a week. High visibility patrols have also stepped up in light of the incident at the weekend. And later on the show, we'll be speaking to more people who live and work in the Midland Road area. They'll be filling us in on what's been happening there in recent years, as well as their efforts to sort things out. Thank you very much, Catherine. Well, if you know the area, if you want to have your say, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR.
And she said, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chambers, they're gathered for the feast. They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give me a call this morning, you're more than welcome to. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can also send me an email. Why the heck not? Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Right, it's coming up to a quarter past six. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's very quiet out there so far. We've got no problems on any of the major routes at the moment. In Tiddington, Sandy Lane still closed between Oxford Road and Old London Road because of flooding, though. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. 6.15, it's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are calling for more police patrols after a teenager was murdered at the weekend. MPs are criticising the royal household by spending more money than it earns and not keeping its buildings in good repair. In football, Milton Keynes travel to play Carlisle tonight, while Stevenage play Crewe and Wickham are at home to Portsmouth. The weather, showers or longer spells of rain today and staying breezy. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Roberto Peroni. We'll talk about your partner's annoying habits this after a woman filed for divorce after just one week. I, I know, I, I snore and I snore badly, but I can't help it. Roberto Peroni. It's Friday. Why am I even bothering to go to work today? You've got to. You never know when a dome board suddenly appears in front of you and you've got to dive in. You need a lot of love, a bit of patience to keep a relationship going. Sometimes you have to turn a blind eye. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Mornings in Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Now, a cancer patient from Buckinghamshire is selling his life story to fund his death. Roger Bailey from North Crawley is determined to end his life at the Swiss Dignitas Clinic and hopes his book will sell enough copies to pay for it. Well, we sent our reporter Justin Neely out to Hertfordshire. He's been asking whether assisted suicide should be legalised in this country. I don't see why not. When I see some of the... I am a volunteer with Age Concern, and when I see some of these people in their homes, in their, you know, care homes, just sitting there all day long, you know, no real life, I don't see why they, if they, that's what they want providing they know what they're doing before it takes place, I suppose. It's quite interesting there, you mentioned what you do. So you've seen people who are quite literally suffering day in, day out. They've just got no quality of life, have they? They're just sitting there, not, don't even know really what's on the television or what's going on in front of them. I mean, what kind of life is that for them or for their relatives to see them deteriorating like that? You're seeing people suffer. Have they ever said to you, I just wish that I could die right now? Oh, Yes. Yes, I have had that said to me. And I, you know, what do you say? I say, well, you, you, try, you try to tell them that they're all right, but you know really that they're not all right. So, yes, I think um, I see no reason why they shouldn't be allowed to die. I mean, we don't let our animals suffer, do we, at the end of the day? John, what's your thoughts on uh, assisted suicide in this country, as we currently stand? Should people have the right to die? I think we should have the option, yes. I think we should have the choice whether we should be able to take our own lives or not. Uh, my wife's Dutch, and in Holland you do have the choice to take your own life. Um, Her brother, who had Alzheimer's, had made the decision earlier while he was still... Well, he didn't have... When he didn't have Alzheimer's, that he would like to have have his life ended if he got into a a stage of Alzheimer's where he wasn't capable of looking after himself anymore. Well, that was Justin Dealey speaking to people. You can have your say on that as well if you want. 08459 455 555. Joined now by uh, Leslie Close, whose brother John ended his life at Dignitas just over 10 years ago. Morning, Leslie. Good morning. Leslie, remind us of John's story. John lived in Milton Keynes. He'd lived there since the very early 1970s and he'd been a very fit, creative, funny man. He was a songwriter used to run marathons, he did all sorts of stuff. But then, as the, as the millennium came to an end, he developed some slight speaking problems and a bit of a limp. And his doctor said, said that some of it was sports injuries and some of it was stress-related. But unfortunately, in March 2001, it was diagnosed as motor neurone disease, which is progressive and incurable. And we knew from that moment that John was going to die before his allotted three school years and ten. But... We had no idea when. Motor neurone disease is a funny, it's a funny thing. It's more like a family of conditions, and, and you just don't know in each individual how it's going to progress. But within two years of diagnosis, John couldn't speak or stand or turn over in bed or walk or swallow or do a huge range of things. He could still communicate. He used a laptop computer or an organiser to tell us what he was thinking. And you could tell a certain amount from his expression. But in January of that year, 2003, he read the story on the BBC News website about a man called Reg Crew who'd just gone off to Dignitas and was the first British person to have any publicity for that journey. We were visiting John. He just got the first of his 24-hour carers, so we could no longer stay overnight with him, but he indicated he wanted us to read this story on the computer, and when we'd done, he typed, that's how I'd like to go when my time comes. And for the next four months were spent preparing for John's death, which may sound grisly, may sound it was difficult, but it was, there was a sense in which it was really liberating for him. 
he he felt in control at last. He'd he'd won over motor neuron disease. He was he was a, a, a determined man, and and the, this, the sense that this was available to him made him it gave him such comfort and reassurance. Lizzie, you say it was liberating for him. How was it for you and the rest of the family? Initially, it was difficult just because I'd managed, during the time that John was ill, I'd managed to put us to one side the thought that he was going to die from that illness. I know that sounds completely crazy, but it's just, it was the way I coped with the illness. It was in the here and now, and, you know, dying was some way off. In fact, the, the event of his death brought me great comfort because I was able to actually be with him when he died. I held his hand as he smiled, took the medication, and died very peacefully. And I have good memories of that day. And that makes a huge difference to me. I was with both my parents when they died. My father before John, he fought against death, although he was 80. And my mother afterwards, and she was struggling. She, she was almost 90 by then. But both of them fought against death, despite the fact that they had a very strong Christian faith, whereas John literally held out his hand to embrace it. And it made me aware that death was not to be feared. What was to be feared was the process of dying. And dying can be very unpleasant for some people. And what John did opened my eyes to the possibility that other people were suffering. I'm afraid I'd lived a rather insular life up to that point, but I suddenly realized that this must be happening up and down the country. And we needed to change the law, so since John died, I've been campaigning that we should allow terminally ill, mentally competent adults to have the right to ask for help to die. I would imagine that you've come across quite a lot of opposition to that point of view. Yes, I have. And a lot of it is based on faith, which is fine. I understand people not wanting to have this option for themselves, but I have great difficulty with people using their own personal faith as a weapon to stop me and people like me having that choice for ourselves. Other opposition, there are some doctors who are opposed because they say that a doctor's job is to to preserve life, and that's exactly what the doctor in Switzerland said just before he handed over the, lethal, the prescription for the lethal medication. He said... In Switzerland, every, my, my, job, my job as a doctor is to preserve life and to help people to live, but in Switzerland I have this extra duty. And he was quite matter-of-fact about it. And so are doctors in one of your um, bit of Oxpop there just mentioned in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, in Belgium, Luxembourg, in Oregon, Washington, the, the countries where assisted dying has been legalised, doctors have found a way to make the two almost contradictory um, uh, duties that they have work together because what what is at the, the heart of assisted dying legislation is that the patient is is the most important person in the process and it it to me it, it's not rocket science if somebody is suffering intolerably they shouldn't be made to carry on suffering another part of the counter argument i've heard is that uh, there is a fear that vulnerable people could be coerced into killing themselves or be assisted suicide when perhaps they don't want to, or they might get better. Oh, yeah, they might get better, but miracles don't happen very often. We're talking about doctors here who have made clear decisions about what, clear diagnoses about what's wrong with someone. And frankly, the kind of miracle that people are waiting for doesn't come overnight. A kind of miracle cure can take five years or more to develop from an idea into a reality and that's too long for the majority of people who are suffering with the kind of conditions that we're talking about here somebody that a, a, a lord called falconer is bringing a bill in the house of lords this year and his legis his bill includes the idea that you have to have about six months life left 
And that's the kind of thing that doctors are reasonably good at getting right. They might get it wrong occasionally, but there's no evidence in somewhere like Oregon that people have been getting wrongly diagnosed with terminal illnesses. It's, 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 a, it's a good point, and it's why we need a, a bunch of careful safeguards in any legislation, but I don't think that doctors are so stupid that they would allow people who aren't actually terminally ill to qualify for this, med, for this um, legislation. And I also think your point about vulnerable people... I saw how difficult it was for my brother, who was strong and fit and determined to go through with this. I think someone who was vulnerable, would it would be immediately obvious that they weren't doing something of their own volition. And that's one of the tests, one of the safeguards, that the doctors have to be certain that somebody is acting on their own behalf. Leslie, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Leslie Close, 08459 455 555, if you want to have your say on that. Should we have assisted suicide? Should it be legalised in this country? Right, let's get the travel news. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting by looking on the speed sensors, in Gerrards Cross, the A413 heading away from the A40 is slow going as you pass under the M25 bridge. The A5 southbound, busy but moving around Dunstable. On public transport, we've got no reported problems there. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford have told BBC Three Counties Radio they want to see more police patrolling their streets if they are to feel safe again. It comes after teenager Isaac Stone was stabbed and killed in Costin Street on Saturday night. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near to the historic airship hangars at Cardington in Bedfordshire. Councillors say the sheds would have fallen into disrepair if the development hadn't been given the go-ahead. A committee of MPs has criticised the Royal Household for spending more than it receives. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs. The weather, cloudy with showers, some of them heavy and prolonged, with a high of 7 Celsius. On to sport and in football, MK Dons are in League One action in the north-west tonight. The Dons make up the long trip to Carlisle without defender Sean Williams, who's moved to Championship Club Millwall. Manager Carl Robinson is keen to improve his side's midweek away form. I looked at our away form on a Tuesday night, it's appalling, to the, to the extent of, if I could add in all the away games since I've been here, a point every three games, we would have been either automatic in some years or in the playoffs last year. So we've got to take, I think it's, I think it's three wins in 21 or 22 away games on a Tuesday night. Stevenage could have Michael Doughty back in the team for tonight's league clash with Crewe. The borough remain bottom of the table. Manager Graham Wesley says they're desperate to get out of the relegation zone. We're just minded to get on and show that we're a lot better than where we are. None of us are, are proud of where we are. We're all humiliated by where we are. Um, none of us like to go home and look our families in the eye and say we're bottom of the league. And uh, every single one of us is, has got enough about him to want to make sure that we turn that round. Wickham Wanderers are at home to Portsmouth in League Two. The chair boys will field a similar side to the one which drew at the weekend. Manager Gareth Ainsworth is excited by the visit of Pompey. Huge game and a real, real looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's these games that you look forward to. You know, it's, uh, it's Portsmouth at home. It's a big ex-Premier League club, FA Cup winners recently, and we've got all that to, uh, to tumble down. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at seven. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. honest with you, there's absolutely nothing in the newspapers this morning. You're right. Uh, Slapping yourself in the face with your headphones. Well, I'm just trying to wake myself up. Do, do what? Wake myself up. Okie dokie. There's nothing. Um, if you want to join in the newspapers this morning, I wait four five nine four double five five double five. I mean, for heaven's sake, Beyonce and her outfit is dominating the papers. Wow. She's been on a 22-day fast. Then it turns into a 22-day vegan fast. Oh, so she ate vegan food. It's still not particularly good uh, um, uh, image to presenting, be presenting to young women. Plus, they never tell you the full picture anyway, do they? So um, you get some vulnerable people thinking, <sighs> right, that's the way to do it then. I like Beyonce when she's got a bit more shape to her. I like it when there is some junk in her trunk 
and I'd like to put that junk there. She's got a nice, sturdy pair of thighs, and that's the way it should be. I've seen Beyonce live a couple of times. She's tiny, actually, isn't she? Uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't she's that short. close. It was, in the, it was in the O2. I couldn't get. She's short. Couldn't get perspective. Uh, but it's a filthy show she does. I mean, it's filthy. Pole dancing, all this kind of uh, muck. When did that Beyonce happen? The Beyonce that sort of is permanently crouched. What are you doing? That that Beyonce. All the time. I have no idea what you're doing with your your, uh, trunk. Put your your trunk away. That that Beyonce. When when did that happen? Jay Z. When she met met Jay Z. That's who it was. He corrupted her. There's really there's nothing in the. um, uh, Nigella Lawson is to escape prosecution over her courtroom confession that she took Class A drugs. Police said yesterday. Well, Well, I'm staggered. Not. A DJ knifed his fiancée to death in a jealous rage after she yelled another man's name during sex. Ouch! Owzers. You've got to be so careful. Hey, the new picture of the new Doctor Who. Yeah? You like oh, yeah. Capaldi? Um, I'm still expecting a, a tirade of expletives. He looks like he looks like kind of um, John Pertwee. I could carry that look off. He's got black trousers, uh, DMs, long black. Uh, what looks like a crushed crush velvet jacket. He with... looks like a Ted. He's like a Teddy boy. He looks like a Ted. The first Ted Doctor Who. At last, dreams can come true. <laughs> and they're making look, the fact that we're doing an EastEnders story shows how bad things are in terms of the newspapers, trendy enders. Well, surely it should be trend enders. Trend enders. East trenders, the mail says. Yes, that's it. EastEnders bosses are giving Albert Square a trendy makeover. The new executive producer reckons the soap has been frozen in aspic. The cast has been revamped with new characters, including Danny Dyer. Well, he's an actor. He's not a character. Now well, plans, he kind of is, isn't yeah. he? Now plans are afoot to spruce up Walford and make it more like hipster hangout shortage. Here's the thing, OK? I, no, I like the BBC. I work for it. They, they feed my children. Uh, but the, the, we're also about the, the amount of money they're paying off to the bosses and all this. I will save the BBC million, tens of million pounds a year. Get rid of EastEnders. Get rid of it. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. Yeah, it gets the viewers, but the BBC should be doing better stuff than that. It, what are we supposed to be doing? Educating and informing... And entertaining. ..in a fun, sexy way or something. I don't know what, what Lord yeah. Reith actually said, but... Get rid of EastEnders. It's derivative. It's boring. It's bland. It's rubbish. I don't know, because I haven't watched it for years. I am surprised that it's supposed to be set in Hackney. I thought it was supposed to be Bow. I thought EastEnders was Bow. Well, I thought, I thought it was Walford. I thought it was in the made-up borough of Walford. It turns out we're all confused. Je- uh, je- oh, dear, really. This is how desperate we are. Jeffrey's in Bracknell. <laughs> I love you. You're such a comedian. Acerbic wit. Acerbic wit. Acerbic. Acerbic, yes, acerbic wit. What, what would you like to say, Jeffrey? Well, anything you want to talk about. Do you want to talk about Beyond the Seas, Bottom Wiggling? Has she brought out a perfume range yet? She did bring out a perfume range, didn't uh, she? She brought out a laundry range. We have, have we got any Beyonce on this? I do like a little bit of Beyonce. What, I what, do. What kind of music do you like, Jeffrey? Quality music. Yeah, we've got Journey Mitchell, Lenny Van Morrison, something like that. You know, Eddie Steely Dan. Oh, for goodness sakes, OK. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I'm not on your mindset. I mean, if you want the whole world to be cloned like um, E&D, that's fine. But, 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 but I'm, 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 I think part of the, life, the interest of life is, is, is different, you know. We're told, we're told it, that we should celebrate diversity all the time. Well, uh, you, uh, yeah, so many things I can say about that. Have you got any of the papers in front of you, Geoffrey? 
No, I haven't been out right, yet. I'll tell you what we do. Right, Catherine's going to throw a story at you and you're going to okay. r- rap on it. Away you go. Hang on, okay. let me find a story. Rap okay. on it. As we found, it's, on not, it. it's not that easy. There are, there's very little going on. Um, hey, there's a cure for diabetes within reach. Can you talk about, what about business, Vince Cable's business sector is um, um, understanding that... Um, if Romanian-Bulgarian construction workers are being exploited, it's very, very naughty. But Paul, I told you. Paul McCartney and right, Ringo Starr come yeah. together. <laughs> Steady. They, they played a song the other night at the Grammys. I would have thought they were too old to do that kind of stuff still. What, rock? Yes, no. thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's move on. Anything there, Catherine? Yes. The number of parents who read the ch- their children a bedtime story at ah. least five nights a week, ah. Geoffrey. Do you think it's going up or down? I thought it's going down. Wrong! Oh, right, really? Some good news at last. Apparently it's yeah. almost doubled in a generation, <laughs> according to a study. Um, the survey found that half of parents read to their young ones every night, while only one in 25 never read at all. One in t- I would have thought nowadays parents would have set sort of stuck some kind of technological gadget next to their baby's head well, and, and, and said, oh, while, 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 I, while I go on the internet, you know, you can be entertained by a, a, a totally false mechanistic um, form of um, a lullaby. Isn't it interesting you said it? Because last night, for the first time, my, my boy for Christmas got a CD player. And so we listened to the compact disc version of The Gruffalo, read by Imelda Staunton. Oh. And part of me felt a little bit wrong for doing it, but also part of me th- thought, oh, thank goodness for that, I haven't got to do anything. Then we read some stories afterwards and we sang some songs, so it wasn't completely uh, uh, mechanised, but we certainly had to... What stories did you like to read when you were a youngster, Geoffrey? Did I like to be read to me? Sure, why not? Um, but, but by my single mother parent. Um, oh, dear. Well, no, she... Well, it's just a fact. But, but, but she read to you, though, couldn't she? Pardon? She read to you, though. She used to put us to sleep when we were really young with um, with um, prayers from the Anglican, Anglican um, Common Book of Common Prayer. She'd read is, prayers to you? Yeah, she was a believer. It's not unusual nowadays. Well, she it believed, is unusual these days. Well, this is what I'm talking about back in 1963, and then, and then I probably got a bit too old, and, 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 and uh, you know... Too old for fairy stories. The Anglican, the, Ang- the Anglican Book of Prayer, in my, in my consciousness, was replaced by, by Curry's Bitter. To help me sleep when I was a young man. Bit of a way with the younger man, really. Why, 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 is it stall, why is it stalling in the conversation? Move on, move on. What's it? Beyond the Seas. Isn't she married to some black urban rapper called JDZ or Dizzy Real Rascal or Gold Tooth? Um, um, let's talk about guns and things like that. Isn't she? Isn't she? She's one of the biggest, wealthiest, um, not biggest physicality, you know, physicality, but, but I mean, the largest earners and uh, um, most wealthy women in America, isn't she? When we can combine with that guy that she's... Is she married to him or are they just cohabiting? of trying. I've thrown away my nights and wasted all my days over you. 
Standing way, heading away from Milton Keynes, looking slow on the speed sensors after the A5. And in Bricketwood, the North Orbital, heavy going at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. On the M25 itself, anti-clockwise is building up now at Junction 21. On public transport, we've got no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. It's coming up to 6.46. It's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are calling for more police patrols after a teenager was murdered at the weekend. A man from Buckinghamshire is selling a book about his life to fund his death with a final journey to Dignitas in Switzerland. In football, Milton Keynes travelled to play Carlisle tonight while Stevenage play Crewe and Wickham are at home to Portsmouth. 08459 455555. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's another rather unsettled day across all three counties. Further rain expected to push through on quite a gusty southerly breeze. It's not going to feel too pleasant if you're caught out in one of those showers. Maximum temperature 7 Celsius, 45 degrees in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, it remains breezy and further showers are expected to blow through. But eventually this wind will start to change direction. It starts off a southerly, but then switches round to an easterly by dawn tomorrow morning. Meantime, though, the minimum temperature is fairly mild four or five celsius but for tomorrow that wind is going to kick in and it's going to feel really rather raw outbreaks of rain expected throughout the course of tomorrow as well to come up from france through the morning at the maximum temperature up to six celsius but you factor in that rather brisk easterly breeze is going to feel a few degrees colder and that's your forecast the winter olympics on the bbc i am the bitter rival The fearsome force you'll blame. I will thwart your every hope. Nature is my name. Lying on the floor You're taking me to play 
break to scan through the newspapers. So, Catherine. Yes. Oh, hang on. Shh, shh. Is that one of those notes you were talking about the other day? I think it might be. Uh, you've had a, a chance to scan through the papers. You must have some gold now at 10 to 7 I on a Tuesday this, morning. which I found intriguing. Yeah. If only we all had the money to be able to do this. Oh, yes, yes. With three marriages behind him, it's perhaps understandable that Martin Shaw is a little cautious when it comes to commitment. He was Bodie or Doyle. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Despite this, the veteran actor's living arrangements with his current partner could at very least be described as unconventional. Oh. What are they doing, living in a treehouse? Polyamorous. No. No? Rather than moving in with his partner of ten years, the couple chose to live in separate homes 200 hey. yards away from one hey, another. he is playing the game beautifully, isn't he? Is he married? Are you really married if you're not living in the same house? Well, it's quite, it's a growing trend. Helena Bonham Carter and that man. Yes. Uh, not, Again, rich. Tim yeah, Burton. Tim Burton. They have one big house, but it's two houses. They live in a wing each. Yeah. And they kind of have a door. They have to, they have to knock on the door, I think, to go yeah. through, or ring the doorbell to go to the next house. Yeah. It would make life... I bet it's fun in their house, isn't it? Oh, I don't like Tim Burton. I think his films are rubbish. Oh, I like him. I think he's crackers in a good way. Uh, what saying that? What films has he done? All I can think of is The Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands. Yes, yeah, Scissorhands. Scissorhands was rubbish. The, char- the, the Charlie Bucket one. Yeah, that rubbish. wasn't yeah. Gene Wilder one. Rubbish. No, not rubbish. The new one is rubbish. Sleepy Hollow, brilliant. Rubbish. No, Sleepy Hollow was good. Which Batman did he do? He did the first one, I think. Well, you say the first I think one. He did the one with the penguin. Right, but which, but which, which first one? The one with Michael Keaton. Yeah. The one with the penguin. Rubbish. He's rubbish. I could do a fi- I could direct films better than Tim Burton. Go All on. right. Well, let's see you do that. Okay, okay, I will. Will you guys be in my film? No. You... I, I'll be the penguin. There's not going to be a penguin in it, Kelly. No. Leave the penguin out of it. What's the film going to be first? Um, it's going to be a, a sex farce. Right. No. It's going to be. It might be that. It, no, it won't be a sex farce. It, it will be um, an action thriller without any guns. Mm. There'll be, all right, it'll be a document, it'll be a biography of uh, Justin Dealey. Would you play Justin Dealey, Kels? 
I'd love to. Sweet. That's actually going to get made. <laughs> Thank you. That is what we're going to make. Can I play Maz? Uh, you're not really in it. You've said no. I feel like I've already done a lot of my research. Yeah. I tend to write down a lot of the things that Justin oh, says. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got... Oh, should I read I don't no, think you, you can read not. those out. Okay. I'll tell you what we'll do is I'll bring my camera in one day next week and we'll make a film. Okay. It's, and it's literally as easy as that. The Justin Dealey, the movie, is happening starring Kelly Betts as Justin Dealey. Perfect. There we go, you see? You see? Out of uh, literally scrabbling around trying to find fag ends on the floor of news, we've come up with a movie. Kelly and I are going to um, become uh, internet superstars. It'll get picked up by Cannes. It'll get picked up by uh, MGM uh, and Warner Brothers. And it'll be made into a, uh, Hollywood. I-, I love it. I feel like it's the yeah. only thing I was born to do. You see? You see, Catherine? <laughs> You're jealous now, aren't you? Because you said you didn't want to be in it. Yeah. They don't want, they don't want to be in that film. Now the film's going to be massive. What am I talking like that for? That's my um, uh, movie mogul voice. Oh. I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> yeah, you might have never I might, listen, that. let's just say there's a little bit, room of, uh, bit of room on the casting couch. Uh, yeah, no, you're all right, honestly. Okay. Um, I'm sure it'll be a lovely film. It's going to be good. Um, it'll be moving. It's going to be good, actually. Got... It's going to be good. I'll get a fake cigarette. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, just some jumps, yeah. like jumpers. Yeah. And uh, what else is wear boots? Yeah, this is going to be awesome. All right, we're gonna, we'll do this. Yeah, we'll have a chat. Definitely. Okay, you see? Thank you, Catherine, for whatever it was you, you said that inspired that. Um, Sorry, everyone. Catherine Boyle is the mother of invention. Yeah, and then I distance myself. Exactly. I'm the kid in the playground who says, can't do that, and then stands back yeah. and watches it happen. Yeah, well, then you watch as we get loads of awards. Probably get Sony for it, even though it's not... They'll make a new yeah, category of Sony I'm for our movie. Sure that's not going to happen. OK. So, you know, living in separate, separate lives. Is oh, that the only way to uh, foster romance and love in a relationship? Well, you're still flogging one. that dead horse. No, I've, I've given up on that one. Go on. What have you got? Well, You've no. looking in the papers. All right. I'll have, uh, well, Am I doing this whole thing while you dream of Hollywood? Uh, David Moyes hailed new boy Juan Mata. I, I'm literally reading the first thing I can see as, uh, What's Juan Mata, you? Hey, why you look so sad? Got uh, no respect. It's a not so bad. It's a nicer place. It's a nicer place. So shut up of your face. Hey, that failed a minute. Do you know that song, Kelly? Can you say that again, then we're, we're up to travel. Do you know that song? I wonder if we've got uh, it. I do know that song. Have we got Joe Dolce? Was, didn't it come uh, like number two in the charts and really It's the annoyed? biggest selling did Australian it, song of all time. Did it get to number one and really no. annoyed somebody else? It got to number one. Yeah. It annoyed it c- Midge Dura or someone. Who? Midge Dura. <laughs> Midge <Dure. laughs> Oh, we don't have Joe Dolce oh, on the system. Oh, what a shame. That's, 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 I tell you what we do have on the system, oh. though. Oh, similar.
Catherine's what? found something. You found, found something to go. What, toast. What? Why, why have you only just found it now? Toast. The humble slice of toast is the latest traditional snack to get the haute cuisine makeover. Apparently, some cafe in London is selling toast for £3.50. What? What do you get for that? What do you get? Two slices of sourdough toast oh. made with bread by the Flower Station Bakery oh. and served with Somerset butter, homemade peanut butter and a selection of jams. Well, the fact it's got peanut butter on it renders it instantly disgusting. Phone in. What? What do you like on your toast? Call me now. 08459 555. Are we really that desperate? Are we really that desperate that that's where we're going to go? Got any better ideas? We could get uh, people to what? help Who write our Justin... Over? Hello. We could get people to help write our Justin Dealey film. They could send in scenarios for us to to do. I like jam. What do you like on your toast? 08459 555. Lemon curd. Lemon curd. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1M southbound, heavy going between Junction 7 for Stevenage and 6 for Welling Garden City. And the N25 anti-clockwise, slow going now between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also struggling between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, I'm Alice. Thank you very much indeed. Right, coming up, we'll be talking more about the right to die. Should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? If someone's suffering and if if someone has the competence and the wherewithal to decide they don't want to live anymore, then surely, surely, they should have the right to end their lives. 08459... Four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. You can also go to uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Or if you wanted, you could send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. And also, if you live in Bedford, well, there's one certain stretch of Bedford that uh, people are quite afraid to be living in. We'll tell you more after the news with Jane. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, people in Bedford say they feel unsafe after the murder of a teenager. Hundreds of homes to be built next to the historic airship hangars in Bedfordshire and man slashed across the face as he tried to stop a woman being attacked in Dunstable. BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford have told BBC Three Counties Radio they want to see more police patrolling their streets if they are to feel safe again. It comes after teenager Isaac Stone was stabbed and killed in Costin Street on Saturday night. These local residents say something needs to be done. This road, I don't know why, always is someone dying on this road. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's crazy. There don't seem to be any police about anymore like there used to be. I think that has a big effect in the area. I'm sure if there were police about, a lot of this wouldn't happen. Terrified to walk anywhere, you know, when it gets dark. It frightens me sometimes, I must admit, walking down here. A committee of MPs has criticised the royal household for spending more than it receives and failing to keep its buildings in good repair. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs, possibly by cutting back on present levels of staffing. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near to the historic airship hangars at Cardington in Bedfordshire. Councillors say the sheds would have fallen into disrepair if their development hadn't been given the go-ahead. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, sent this report from the council meeting. 
Whilst there were concerns about the impact on the view of the historic sheds, the number of homes and the fact it's being built in the countryside, the plans went through by six votes to two. The plans will see the shed one fully restored, which the applicant says would not have been possible otherwise. And there's been assurances there'll be more trees planted to help neutralise the impact of nearly 600 homes. The latest economic figures are expected to show that last year was the best since before the global financial crisis and the start of the recession. The Office for National Statistics is likely to confirm that 2013 saw the fastest growth since 2007. A man has been slashed in the face with a knife at a car park in Dunstable. He was trying to stop a woman being attacked. Lee Agnew has the details. The attack took place last Thursday afternoon in a residential parking area on Southwood Road. The 35-year-old man stepped in when he saw the woman being assaulted. He was slashed several times across the face and head with a knife before being bitten twice on the nose. The offenders, described as a white man of Mediterranean or Arab appearance, in his early 50s of average build and wearing a dark baseball cap, green jacket and blue jeans. In football, three of our teams are in action tonight. In League One, the Milton Keynes Dons travel to Carlisle and Stevenage play crew. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers are at home to Portsmouth. And the weather, a cloudy day with few bright or sunny intervals, with showers or longer spells of rain and a high of 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past seven. It's Tuesday. I've just had a look outside. It's blooming awful. It's blooming awful. Terrible weather out there. Cold, dark, wet. Thanks very much. Lots coming up on the show, though. Lots coming up on the show including people living in one part of Bedford fear their neighbourhoods become the town's front line. They're telling us the Midland Road area has been left to the criminals who'll carry on as they were once the current police crackdown comes to an end. There have been more officers on patrol there following a fatal stabbing at the weekend, but locals are telling us they've seen it all before. A Buckinghamshire man hopes the story of his life will sell well enough to fund his death. Roger Bailey from North Crawley says he's lived to the full, making and losing three fortunes. But now he has cancer and feels booking into a Swiss clinic is the only way to end it with dignity. Well, there's not really any any argument there, is there? If people want to take their own lives, they should be allowed to do it, shouldn't they? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Emrys is in Aylesbury. Morning, Emrys. Morning. Which of the uh, heavy topics this morning do you want to discuss? Oh, obviously the most important one, um, about toast. Ah, yes, go on. Bring in. Uh, I like to have Marmite and peanut butter on my toast. What, together? Yeah, together. Right, first of all, Marmite is God's gift to those who have taste. I love it. Wonderful stuff. Peanut butter is for deviants, though. It's disgusting. Uh, Peanuts in a butter form? What? Yes, they mix both the uh, the butter and peanuts together, so you don't have to put 
Ironic. <laughs> it's flipping horrible. So, but then you mix that with Marmite. Yeah, yeah. I know I know it sounds disgusting, but I was like that at one point and thought, oh, that, that sounds horrible. But if you actually try it, it's, it's really nice. It's really tell nice. You, OK, Emrys, let, let's, let's see exactly where, which way uh, you uh, like to let it hang. Chocolate spread. No, I don't like that. No. Well done. OK. That, you've, you've, you've redeemed yourself ever so slightly. I do like good co- combinations of food and drink. Here's something. Right? I nicked this from Danny Baker. As I, Hey, I pretty much nicked the whole act. But this is a great drink. You get a glass, you fill half of it with milk, right? half of it with Coca-Cola, boom, you got yourselves a lovely drink. Oh, I don't know about that. Honestly. That's pretty disgusting. It, no, it, it doesn't sound any more disgusting than that rubbish you're spreading on your toast. Honestly, get a glass, half milk, half Coca-Cola. Oh, it's wonderful. When the milk curdles, it, just, oh, it just sounds horrible. Well, we'll, we'll leave it there, shall we? Catherine. Sounds like some, oh, Catherine. It sounds like some sort of health drink. Yeah, Coke, Coke is healthy. You're right, actually. It's a really... It, <laughs> no, what I mean is it sounds disgusting. It sounds like no, some sort of medicine. What, uh, what we need is we need some brave soul to try... I, when I was the same, when I first heard it, I thought, that sounds awful. It looks like medicine. It smells like medicine, actually. But we need someone this morning to get some Coca-Cola or any other brand, although I, I really recommend Coke, uh, and some milk. Mix the two together. What do you got? Some milk. Um, a multi mess? Multi. That's the way to describe it. Yeah, it's multi. Lovely, wonderful. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Who's going to be brave enough to try that this morning? Honestly, it's wonderful. Now on to something a little bit more serious. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are telling us the area has become a no-go area. Once uh, one even described it as the front line. Police have stepped up patrols um, in the area following a fatal stabbing in Costin Street on Saturday. But residents fear the intimidation, violence and lawlessness will resume once the crackdown comes to an end. Well, these people spoke to our reporter Tony Fisher yesterday. You're on a, this is a front line. This is Bedford front line. Bedford front line. What do you mean by that? It's front line street. Drugs. It's main street, yeah, it's a main street. Look at it. Over the years there's been crime. You know. What should they do about it? Try and redevelop it? Maybe, yeah, maybe that would solve things. Does that solve things? I'll tell you what, I've been stopped, like, I got lucky because my lung was down. I've been stopped three years ago, you know. And my friend's been dying here on this road, yeah. T- same three years ago, yeah. And, Who was that? Uh, well, the best my friend, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah, three years ago he been stopped same to death. Yeah, on, on Midland Road. Yeah, Midland Road. Yeah, three, three years ago. Yeah. So this road, I don't know why. Always is someone dying on this road. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's crazy. Man. Anything that could be done about Midland Road? More policing, I would say. Well, I'd say more policing than anything. There don't seem to be any police about anymore like there used to be. I think that has a big effect on the area. I'm sure if there were police about, a lot of this wouldn't happen. But it's one of the, it's one of these areas. It's one of these places. It's always been suspect to sort of crimes and things like that. So I don't know. I need to police it more. That's in my my eyes, definitely. Look after your own family. Look after yourself, and that's it. That's all you can do. Are you happy with your daughter living just off this road? No. Never lived here for years, but it's just got worse. I'm terrified to walk anywhere, you know, when it gets dark. Well, it doesn't even matter if it's dark now. <laughs> when I got the taxi home, you couldn't move here. It was just gang. 
It's gangs. Yeah. It is bad. It frightens me sometimes. I must admit, walking down here. I don't know, it's just the way this road is. It's always been like that. How can you change something that's always been the same? Well, uh, that was Tony Fisher speaking to residents of Midland Road yesterday. Caroline Fensom is the local Tory councillor for the area. Morning, Caroline. Doesn't paint a particularly good picture, does it? It's not good, no. No, Midland Road has been neglected for years. They desperately need more police. Um, The money isn't available. But unfortunately, in, in Bedford, we have a rather odd situation. We have a thing called the Bedford Bid, which can levy the nightclubs. And it uses that money to pay for blue caps to wander around in the town being pleasant to people. But if we didn't have that, the um, the police would be able to levy the nightclubs. The government brought in the thing a couple of years ago called the late night levy um, just for the police to take advantage of, of this situation to, to, to make the nightclubs pay for the extra hours that, that the police have to put in in the town centre. That would mean there were more police for the rest of the town. Is it all the nightclub's fault? No, but certainly they uh, they do attract a, a lot of people. And they're people who are out in the middle of the night. They come out of the nightclubs and they're shepherded out of the town centre. And then they want food. And they go to the, the fast food places and they're not fast enough, so they cause trouble. That's often how the the trouble starts. What about gangs? We've heard gangs being mentioned as well. Yeah. Yes, I I know that that's also a problem. But as I said, we need more police. So the the only way you're suggesting we do that is if the the, the nightclubs pay for it? They could certainly help. Why why should it be the nightclub's responsibility to pay for it? If, If there is trouble, surely the police should be there, shouldn't they? Well, they have to have a budget to do that. Well, they, surely, if there's, but if there is crime happening, if there are people being stabbed, if there are gangs, if there are people feeling intimidated, then those people who live there and work there, they have a right to um, expect the police to be there, whether nightclubs are paying for it or not. Well... Otherwise, what is the police for? There's an awful lot of police time spent on policing nightclubs. Now, if... How many nightclubs, nightclubs are in Midland Road? No, they're not in the town. Okay, well, then then it's too... Then, Caroline, if if there's policing nightclubs, good for them. This is a separate issue, then. You can't put this all on the shoulders of the nightclubs. There are people... No, it's not a separate issue. You have only one policeman. He can't be in two places. Well, then you need to get... If he's shepherding people out of nightclubs... He can't be in Midland Road. Caroline, we're hearing about violence in broad daylight. I, I think that this is a slightly it's smoke and mirrors to blame it all on nightclubs. That's what I was saying. That the thing uses their levy money to provide blue caps. And people would much rather have a PCSO than a blue cap. I don't quite understand what you're saying. You, you, first of all, you're saying it's all to do with nightclubs, and then when I say that there are, are, are crimes happening in the daytime, what, let's I'm just get some more police there. Let's just get some police. We can't have more police unless we have more money, and the money at the moment is being diverted. Tell that to, Caroline, tell that to the people who are terrified to walk down that street. Tell that to the, the, the friends of the person who got stabbed. Tell that to the people who are saying this is the front line. They won't be happy with that response. No, we need more money for more policemen. Uh, so until you get more money, there's nothing you can do for the residents of Midland Road? Yes, there is. They, they need to report every single incident that they see. There's a number, one and one. Every single thing that happens, please report it. 
it takes a while to sit on that phone, but you don't have to give your name, but report every incident, because police cover is dead. And if you can create a hotspot, you will be more peace. Caroline, stay there. Jay's from Bedford. Jay, you live on Midland Road, do you? Um, I used to live on um, Batterson Street uh, a good few years ago, but the, the, everything up there is, is gang-related. Uh, where there's a church on the left-hand side, and people are hanging around there outside reels. There's, there's about three or four different gangs that all, you know... What do you think about what Caroline's saying? They, the, 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 they've got these blue caps patrolling there and they can't get any more police because they haven't got any more money. Well, well the blue caps are not there on an evening anyway. You know, um, they're not going to intervene in a load of gangs. They walk around, visit the shops and make sure that things are OK during the daytime. You know, so I don't think that that helps at all one bit. The blue caps don't help, Caroline. No, they don't help at all. They're diverting money from the police. So what? This should want... have been seven instead of two caps. Okay, so if you if you were in control of the situation, Caroline, if you can make all the decisions, what would you do to solve this problem? Stop the beer living in the nightclub so the police could lay them themselves have some more money so they could provide some more police. Okay, guys, the line is breaking up, but I think what she was saying was, was let the police levy the nightclubs. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Caroline Fenson, local Tory councillor for the area. If you live in that area. And you're being told, oh, you, ah, yeah, not enough money to send some police there. How does that make you feel? Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound looking slow now at Junction 10 for Luton Airport. And the M25 anti-clockwise, there are queues going running now between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. In Brickywood, the North Orbital also queuing at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And the A1M struggling southbound between Junction 7 for Stevenage and 6 for Welling Garden City. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, it's coming up to 7.16. It's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are calling for more police patrols after a teenager was murdered at the weekend. A man from Buckinghamshire is selling a book about his life to fund his death with a final journey to Dignitas in Switzerland. In football, Milton Keynes travel to play Carlisle tonight, while Stevenage play Crewe and Wickham are at home to Portsmouth. The weather today, showers or longer spells of rain and staying breezy. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation. Get this roofing company round, see if they can fix the problem and I'll pay the bill. We said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS show fights for your rights. This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill? Yes, and he was standing there and he handed me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's it. If you need our help, email JVS show at bbc.co.uk Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn, and any other problems, Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. What is at the heart of assisted... 
We'll come to that in a minute. Sorry, could you cue that back up? I got a little bit butterfingers there. I do apologise. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to uh, uh, give me a call, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR, or send me a text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR now. A Buckinghamshire, Buckinghamshire man hopes the story of his life will sell well enough to fund his death. Roger Bailey from North Crawley says he's lived to the full, making and losing three fortunes and working his way through a string of lovers. But now he has cancer and feels booking into a Swiss clinic is the only way to end it with dignity. Roger Bailey has the backing of Leslie Close from Buckinghamshire. Her brother, John, died at Dignitas in 2003. What is at the heart of assisted dying legislation is that the patient is, is the most important person in the process. And it's... It, to me, it's not rocket science. If somebody is suffering intolerably, they shouldn't be made to carry on suffering. Well, that was uh, earlier on in the show. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been in Bedfordshire. He's been asking whether assisted suicide should be legalised in this country. No. Well, it, it does depend on the circumstances and it does depend on why they want assisted suicide. I mean, are they compassmentous, some of the people who decide they want to be... Well, they want to commit suicide. I mean, are they influenced by other people? Life itself is just so difficult for a lot of people that sometimes I think maybe it might be the easy way out. No, it is, it's something that I can't, I can't imagine. So you don't think people deserve the right to die in this country if they want to, if they're suffering? If they're suffering, it's treatment for every stage of the illness. And they do have painkillers and they do have all the care in the hospitals. Because people are saying to me... When it comes to animals, we have a a lot more sympathy for animals than what we have human beings. We are prolonging somebody's life when they're in in pain and misery. I don't think they they prolong the people's life. They just care for people's life and they're helping them. So it's a bad thing for this country if it was to be legalised? As a human being, I think it is. No, I don't think so. Just from my own personal opinion, I think now if you've got a family member that's ill, selfishly, you want to keep them for as long as you can. And it is a selfish reason, really. So if somebody in your family wanted to die uh, and they were suffering terribly, as you say, from a selfish point of view, you would do everything you could to keep that person alive for as long as you could? I'd try and keep them as comfortable. I mean, I'm not saying that in my heart that I'd wish that they could go, but to actually do it and know that... I helped them. No, I couldn't do it. Well, that was Justin Dealey speaking to people earlier on. Join now. But I keen to get your thoughts on this, by the way. 08459 455 555. Should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? Well, Andrea Williams is from Christian Concern. Uh, Andrea, have you got any sympathy for Roger's situation? He's, uh, he's got cancer, he's suffering, he's in pain, he wants to die. Why shouldn't he be allowed to take his own life? Um... Of course I have sympathy for um, anyone who um, is suffering a difficult illness and is coming to terms with uh, the with um, pain, with uh, the prospect of death. But actually the answer in that situation is care and not killing. It's the council of despair to have, in a sense, this, this notion, this idea that, to, to, that, that, that ending our life will, will end our misery, when in fact we know um, that we, here in the United Kingdom we have the best palli- uh, palliative care, amongst the best palliative care in the world, and that's something that we really need to continue to develop and to promote. And we know that no one needs to be in terrible pain, and when the psychological and spiritual 
and physical symptoms of a person are met at this sort of difficult time, then very often people go on to have uh, a good and a natural death. But you see, hard cases make bad law. Have you seen someone dying from cancer? I myself have uh, in, uh, um, had had cancer. Have you seen someone dying um, from cancer? Yes, I have. My sister-in-law it's had horrible, cancer isn't it? at the same time as me. She, um, it's, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? It's dehumanising. Oh, no. It, it actually, the, the whole point about suffering is that it very often brings out what it is. What? Uh, the, what? Human sp- the human spirit. No. And when my sister-in-law, when my sister-in-law, who had ovarian cancer, was at the very uh, end of her life, she... she um, she was in her, she was um, at home. She'd been beautifully looked after by the Macmillan nurses. She had her children and her loved ones around her. And actually, she showed us, she showed us in her last months of death, last months of life, not just how to live, but also how to die well. She was very lucky. My, my dad died of uh, pancreatic cancer last year. And uh, he was in a lot of pain. For the last couple of months of his life, he was in a lot of pain. So was my sister-in-law, yes. Okay. Hard. He was in a lot of pain. His death was... His last few months were humiliating for him. He suffered. He was miserable. And if he had said to me, Ian, get, can you get me on a plane to Switzerland? I would have taken him without a shadow of a doubt. It was degrading for him. He was humiliated and he was in pain. Now, he chose to go through it towards the end. He didn't know what he was doing because he was on so much morphine. But... How is that fair? How is that fair? If someone is suffering like that, why shouldn't they say, look, I'm going in a couple of months anyway, I might as well go a bit earlier? I'm, I'm very sorry, Ian, that your father had to endure such a difficult time at the end of his death, but I know um, certainly from the cancer care that, um, that up and down the country, and perhaps you should speak to some of the specialists, that, that it's absolutely um, a... Uh, magnificent service to help people like your father uh, at the end of at the end of their life and actually where's the magnificence and actually, and, and, and Andrea where's the magnificence in having to have his two sons lift him up and put him on a commode and wipe his bottom where's where's, the, where's the dignity said, there I said, I said that the can that the cancer services are magnificent but but why should and someone actually, have to live like and that actually you see the thing the thing the thing is this the thing is this what we need to do is we need to protect people from feeling that they are a burden and that they ought to go sooner than they otherwise should. We but that's not, Andrew, no, you're they, twisting they, the argument. They, I'm not going to allow you to do that. They, I'm not going to allow you to do that because you are saying at no point did he feel he was a burden. He didn't feel he was a burden and I'm not going to let you twist I'm it like sa- that. I'm not saying, Ian, that your father... Well, no, but you're, you're and, implying that people... F- let me make this point, Andrew, mm. because you're implying people feel like a burden. What about those people that don't feel like a burden but they find it humiliating, they find it painful, they find it degrading? What about those people? Um, certainly, there are um, the, the those the palliative care consultants, so cons- consultant doctors who deal with people at the end of life, say that requests for um, assisted suicide are extraordinarily rare, something like two percent. So, but and why when, should that two percent be ignored? And when those people, and when those people are um, properly looked after, and they often that sort of request comes at a moment of depression and a moment of difficulty but when they're looked after and when they're given proper care that request subsides and actually that's what we need to be doing they won't be asking the doctor though will they we they'll be asking their family they're not going to say to the doctor could you kill me they'll be asking their family they'll be well, talking to their exactly, family about it who's going to kill them if, if, if it were legalized and it's going to be it, you're going to be turning to i tell you what if my dad if my dad had said in in the clarity of um 
not being on drugs, and they tried to lower his drugs and it was too painful. If, if in the clarity he said, look, Ian, can you just hold a pillow over my face? Do you know what, Andrea? I would have done it because I did not want to see my dad suffering. He was suffering physically. He was suffering emotionally. He had no dignity. He felt awful. He was in so much pain, despite all the drugs they were pumping into him. He, they pumped the drugs in, he'd throw up. He was in so much pain. It was, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, let, a, you wouldn't let a dog die like that, Andrew. And I, and, and, and I know that many people... You wouldn't let a dog many, die like that. I had, I've myself been through a quite extreme chemotherapy and my sister-in-law um, died um, in, in, in front of me. So I, so I, I know what it is. But it's different. Know, you don't because I, it's I different know, for I so know, everybody. My sister-in-law had extreme It's different, pain it's different well. for everybody. Um, but the point is, that the, so the answer, the answer is not to give people the option of death. What's the it's answer then? To let them suffer? The, the answer is to care for them until the point of natural death. But, but that was done. I don't, it's different. Listen, I, it's, I, we're not playing who, hey, who had the worst cancer death in their family, but it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. And what works for you, what worked for your sister-in-law, doesn't it work... It can't possibly protect the, the, the vulnerable. If you begin... Um, we know that where euthanasia has been legalised, the incidence of people that have not asked for okay. euthanasia uh, has increased. We know that it's now a dangerous it's law. Interesting, because you're changing the argument slightly. No, no, because I'm not, I'm not changing the law. Well, no, you are a little bit, because you're now, you're now moving on to something else. It. You're now moving on to something else. You're talking about vulnerable people. So you, you've kind of it's almost acknowledged because, that, that well, no, you, you when, haven't got a decent if, argument. If, if, if assisted suicide is legalised, what will happen then... Is that it's not the strong. Okay. It's not those that are incredibly autonomous. So you're putting the argument of the suffering to one side. It's actually what what uh, what the, the people the people that will, will um, uh, be in difficulty, Ian, are those that um, are, are vulnerable, that are weak, that are alone. Um, those those are the ones that will find themselves in difficulty as a result of the law. And the law is there protect, to protect the weak, not to protect the strong. And that's absolutely vital. That's what the law does. And the, and and our medical professions the are thing. there to look after people, not to kill people. You've, you've, you've moved away from, from those who want it, which is interesting, implying your argument perhaps isn't as strong as you'd like to think it is. Uh, if I the get, argument's very strong. If I get as ill as my dad got, my mum's got MS. If I get as ill as my mum has got, I've already said this, I'm going. I'm checking out. And why shouldn't that be my right? I don't want to be uh, in a wheelchair. I don't want to be having strangers wiping my backside. I don't want to be able, unable to feed myself. That's often how people feel before they're actually going through something. But when actually they go through something, the, the spirit of humanity kicks oh in. Oh dear, that's such a naive they... attitude. It's not. I, I go to a home regularly where there are people with severe disabilities. And yeah, the spirit of humanity has kicked in for a lot of them there are also people there that are miserable and are having no life whatsoever and if that happens to me andrea i'm going and why shouldn't it be my right to decide when i'm going andrea oh andrea's gone andrea hello what what happened there this, what happened? Did I, did I say something, Catherine? I'm sure there must be some mistake. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. That was Andrea Williams from Christian Concern. Put the point forward again. If I ever get as ill as, Ill as my mum, um, or as ill as my dad was, I'm going to kill myself. And why shouldn't I be allowed... To do that, 
I don't know 100%. Who knows exactly what it's going to be like in that situation. But I'm, I'm pretty certain that's, that's the way I'm going to go. And who has the right to say otherwise in that situation? I'm surprised that Andrea Williams from Christian Concern put the phone down. That was odd. That was odd, wasn't it? That's why I'm thinking they must be... There must be a mistake. Maybe her phone. Let's assume her phone cut out. Yeah, maybe she not anymore. Otherwise, that's rude. Christians aren't rude. 08459 four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound slow going at Junction 10 for Luton Airport and there are queues on the M25 anti-clockwise between 18 for Chorley Wood and 16 for the M40, so a little heavier than usual today. The A1M southbound heavy going between the Stevenage Junctions 8 to 7 and on the speed sensors things looking very heavy around Hitchin, the A505 in particular slow going towards the centre of town. On public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford have told BBC Three Counties Radio they want to see more police patrolling their streets if they are to feel safe again. It comes after teenager Isaac Stone was stabbed and killed in Costin Street on Saturday night. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near to the historic airship hangars at Cardington in Bedfordshire. Councillors say the sheds would have fallen into disrepair if the development hadn't been given the go-ahead. A committee of MPs has criticised the Royal Household for spending more than it receives. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs. The weather, cloudy with showers, some of them heavy and prolonged, with a high of 7 Celsius. On to sport and in football, MK Dons are in League One action in the north-west tonight. The Dons make the long trip to Carlisle without defender Sean Williams, who's moved to championship club Millwall. Manager Carl Robinson is keen to improve his side's midweek away form. I looked at our away form on a Tuesday night, it's appalling. To the, to the extent of, if I could add in all the away games since I've been here, a point every three games, we would have been either automatic in some years or in the playoffs last year. So we've got to take, I think, it's, I think it's three wins in 21 or 22 away games on a Tuesday night. Stevenage could have Michael Doughty back in the team for tonight's league clash with Crewe. The borough remain bottom of the table. Manager Graham Wesley says they're desperate to get out of the relegation zone. We're just minded to get on and show that we're a lot better than where we are. None of us are, are proud of where we are. We're all humiliated by where we are. Um, none of us like to go home and look our families in the eye and say we're bottom of the league. And uh, every single one of us is, has got enough about him to want to make sure that we turn that round. Wickham Wanderers are at home to Portsmouth in League Two. The chairboys will field a similar side to the one which drew at the weekend. Manager Gareth Ainsworth is excited by the visit. Huge game and a real, real looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's these games that you look forward to. You know, it's, uh, it's Portsmouth at home. It's a big ex-Premier League club, FA Cup winners recently, and we've got all that to, uh, to tumble down. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with the full bulletin at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I'm, um, I'm still reeling from Andrea Williams from Christian Concern. I don't think that was particularly one of my feistiest uh, uh, arguments. I know sometimes I go a little bit at, at things like a dog with a bone, but I, d- I don't 
think I was particularly um, aggressive there. Well, maybe I was. I don't know. 08459 455 555. Should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? It does... Um, I struggle to see how people could have a problem with it. It's not going to affect you. If, you're not, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. <laughs> you know, they're not going to make it compulsory. I, 65, he's not very well. We're going to make him kill himself. No, I don't want to. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. But why should I be denied the right if I am suffering, if I am in pain, if I am miserable for an extended period of time? Why should I be denied the right? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Debbie's in Bedford. Morning, Debbie. Morning, Ian. Debbie, what do you reckon? Should we uh, assisted suicide be legalised in this country? Absolutely. Tell me why. If you, if, uh, six years ago, my mum had cancer, and she got the best possible treatment that she could have got. Macmillan. I couldn't fault them in one one bit. And she, you know, if she wanted to die, that was her right to die. And, and she, as a person, she had that choice to make. Fortunately, or unfortunately, she didn't. She died on her own. Now we're going through it again in a completely different scenario. My dad has severe Alzheimer's, uh, sorry, dementia. He doesn't have that. He can't even make that choice. But I know that if he could, he would. Because it's the most humiliating illness for anybody to have to go through. For a proud man that has to have everything done for him, he, he just would hate it. I know he would hate it. But the lady from uh, Christian Concern was saying, ah, but suffering like this brings out the human spirit and it's all to do with the care. Yeah, my mum got the best care. She did, but she still wouldn't. She didn't want to live in all that kind of pain. It, when you see somebody that has cancer and they are suffering, and the, yes, if people ha- are very calm and things near the end, it's because they are so so stuck with painkillers. Yeah. They are not. They're, they're basically not here anyway. You know, and I think if you actually ask everybody that went through that, if they had that choice. They would take it. They really would. I don't know how this this lady could say that, you know, it's wrong. Or how anybody, if you haven't been through it, you don't know. You don't know the humiliation that they go through, the pain that they go through, the hurt, everything that they go through. It's, it's, it's awful. And they have that right. Debbie, I appreciate your time. I'm sorry to hear about um, situations involving your parents. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. Should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? My dad had the best care. Brilliant care. Macmillan nurses, fantastic. What a job. Who'd, who'd do that job? Huh? Only the nicest people you could ever meet. And they treated him with dignity and respect. They're wonderful. Uh, and the, uh, the workers in the hospice. It was in Gloucester somewhere. I can't remember the name of it, but it was an amazing place. Amazing place. I mean... Uh, Again, to, to work in a place like that. But th- there is... Uh, uh, he was on a lot of morphine, uh, still in a lot of pain, completely out of it towards the end. I mean, just, just shivering, trembling, talking utter nonsense, very few moments of lucidity, still in pain, throwing up. Um, there was no dignity. It was humiliating. 
had to have his two boys, me and my, me and my brother, who I'd only just met, by the way. There's a different story. Uh, first time I met my brother, ten minutes later, we're lifting my dad out of the bed and putting him on a commode and wiping his backside. Now, now, where's the dignity in that, I ask you? I was happy to do it. Of course I was. No dignity for the person involved. And some people can get through that. Some people can embrace it as a life-enriching um, experience. The spirit of human nature comes out, but I wouldn't want it. Would you want it? 08459 455 555 on the texts. Alf says, that was the first time I've heard Ian talk common sense. Well, thank you, Alf. Ken of Redbourne says, the Christian woman, that was... uh, the uh, uh, Andrea uh, Williams. The Christian woman has an agenda she's not declaring. She believes suicide is a sin and that only God has the right to choose the moment of our death. She said natural death, but already with drugs, man has interfered with that. Why treat cancer at all? Ken of Redbourne. 81333, start your text 3CR. AJ and Tring. Well, look, I'm winning people over. This is unprecedented. We'll stop this immediately. For the first time ever... I agree with your attitude towards assisted death. When the time comes, I want to say goodbye to my loved ones and go. I want to be remembered as I am now, not as an empty, unresponsive body. It, uh, I, don't, I don't understand, and maybe you, you do disagree with assisted suicide, I don't understand how you could disagree with it. Particularly if you're a Christian, right? Because if you're a Christian, then you believe that the place you're going to after this one is going to be better. It's all going to be fairies, not fairies, what do they call them? Angels, that's the fellas, with harps and clouds and, you know, as, as much Mars milk as you can drink. As much milk and Coca-Cola combined as you can drink. So, what's wrong just cutting out the last couple of months? 08459 455 555. And is there anybody listening who disagrees with the concept of assisted suicide that isn't a Christian, that's not coming from a strongly Christian uh, belief? I don't know what the, what the, the belief about suicide is in other, other faiths. But is there anybody listening who disagrees with assisted suicide um, that isn't coming from a strong religious belief about it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and it, it kind of got with with uh, Andrew and myself a little bit. Oh well, yeah. The, my dad's suffering was worse than your sister in law. It was a little bit, and it, it's uncomfortable when it gets to that. But everyone's going to be different. And well done, well done that her, her sister in law got through it and saw it as a life enriching experience. I didn't. It was flipping horrible. My dad didn't. He hated it. He hated it. Big, big, strong. Fat man. It turned into a tiny, skinny, old man at the age of 63. Uh, I've got an email. How can anyone in good health and able to be independent imagine what it must be like to be that desperate? I don't think any of us is qualified to give an opinion until we are in that position. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Should we have a quick look at the front pages of some of the newspapers? Yes, lots. Lots do that, shall we? Uh, Jude Law, Jude Law, what he saw, Jude Law is on the front page of the papers because of uh, Jude Law and Sienna Miller at the premiere of Alfie in London in October 2004. Let's forget Alfie as quickly as we can, shall we? Um, uh, Relatives sold secrets about Jude and Sienna. A member of Jude Law's immediate family sold stories to the news of the world without the actor's knowledge. 
Wrong kind of people are in UKIP, Farage says. Leader hits out at parties Walter Mitty figures. Nigel Farage has lashed out at the Walter Mitties, damaging UKIP. As he warned the party's candidates, they must show more discipline before a series of crucial tests at the ballot box. In other words, don't come out and say the reason we've got so many floods is because of the gays. It's the gays' fault. Well, then... <laughs> Justin. Come on, boss. What, what, what are you in here for? A toast. So toast. I'm talking about toast this morning. I'm talking about the gays and uh, how it's their fault yeah, that we've yeah. got floods. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. You get toast, yes. Go on. Uh, yes, you've been talking about that this morning. What you like on toast? Yeah, we had some yeah. pervert phone up saying he likes marmite with peanut butter. Disgusting. Oh, do you know what? That's strange. Well, um, I've been out this morning. Um, I've been asking people about toast and uh, what they have on their toast. Some very, very boring answers, Ian, but some uh, very right. entertaining ones as well. Okay. Mm. You've actually got... Are we BBC Radio Norfolk? Is this, is this BBC <laughs> Listen, Sussex or something? I have done some serious news stories this morning, but right. this one is light and fluffy. Now, you said that there are some boring answers yes. and some good answers. Yes. Are the boring answers in this package? Yes, they are, yes. Just to kind of highlight why people are, are quite boring out there. So, I've been asking people this morning, Ian, um, what do you like on your toast? Here's what people had to say. Oh, dear. Um, a bit of peanut, peanut butter and jelly. Jelly, yeah, yeah. What's that taste like on toast? Oh, it's nice. You've got a couple of different... Um, Gives you, you know, it's cut for different flavours. No textures. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good. You get a nice soft jelly, like the mm, bite into that, whatever kind of flavour jelly you want. I like banana jelly. And then you get your crunchy nut feeling. You should go on TV. You should have your own cookery show. That's it, eh? Hey, fly, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Up, mate. All right, nice one. Fraser, how are you today? Not bad. That's a very strong accent you got there. Happy Glasgow. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what do you like on your toast? Chop pork. Say again? Chopped pork. Chopped pork? Aye. How often do you have that on toast? We're not up the road, but two or three times a week. So what do you like on your toast? Just butter. Nothing else? No, sometimes a bit of jam, but just butter. You're a bit boring, aren't you? I haven't got a sweet tooth. Ken, how cold is it this morning? Well, not too bad. Really? You're a tough guy, aren't you? Could be worse. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, Ken, I'm from Ian Lee's show. Yeah. First for news, the big question of the day. What do you like on your toast? Mushrooms. Mushrooms on toast. Beautiful. They were just nice now. So, when am I going to come round then? Oh, well, I'll have to arrange a, a royal visit one of these days. Oh, a royal visit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Ken, we like you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Chopped pork? Mm. You dirty yeah. Scottish gentleman. Who else has chopped pork on toast? There can't well, be anybody else, surely. When the fella said jelly, he yeah. must have meant jam. He must have been an, doing an Americanism. Because no. they call it... Really? Uh, apparently, he is, you know, honest. He likes jelly on his toast. Again, how many other Dirty. people listening right now like jelly on toast? That's weird. Hummus. <laughs> hummus. Like a nice bit, bit of hummus. Now, with your Greek connections... Hello. OK, yes, hello. Um, in Greece, they like dips, don't they, correct? Yes? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes. Well, I feel like I'm being voxed by no, Justin Dilly. I'm being corralled. Yes, <laughs> they on. do. They do I like a bit of dip. Now, now, when I went to Greece, I said, I would like, you know, certain dips with, with my bread. He said, me no understand this dip. I said, well, I mean, he was Jamaican, was he? No, he wasn't. He was Greek. But no, he didn't understand what dip was. And he was in Greece. What's going on there? They, uh, what was that, Catherine? Sorry. Who said, said something whispered in my ear there? As I, was... I said, we'll put this in our film. Yeah, you know we're making a film about you. Yeah, Hollywood Star- Blockbuster. Starring Kelly Betts as you. Well, I know that Brad Pitt is filming locally at the moment. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I know that because somebody I know had a selfie taken with Brad Pitt a couple of weeks well, ago. Well, hang on, hang on a second. Mm. This is, forget toast. Yeah. Forget casual racism directed towards Jamaicans and Greeks. Mm. If you've seen Brad, where is he filming? Um, I can't really say. Why? Um, top secret. Well, it's, it's somewhere in Hertfordshire. 
Why is it top secret? Because it, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. Um, I believe I believe it's um, it's near Hemel Hempstead. Let's just say that. Um, and he goes to a certain place, and that's where he likes to right. wine and dine. I can't reveal pit that watch. information. We're starting pit watch. Have you seen Brad Pitt in Bed's Hearts or Bucks? We can narrow it down to Hertfordshire. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you seen Brad Pitt in Hertfordshire? Uh, and did you manage to get a selfie with him? He turned up down my local once when, when he was filming. Was it Snatch? He did Snatch a few years ago. Yeah. Um, he was training uh, for that film in Hemel Hempstead, and he went down my local pub, the Steam Coach. So he knows Hertfordshire well. And what was he like? Did you meet him? I didn't meet him. I just heard the report of that story. <laughs> <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 northbound, there are queues from the Denham roundabouts to the M25. Still struggling on the M25 anti-clockwise between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. On the speed sensors in Kings Langley, the A41 southbound is queuing as you approach the M25. And in Clop Hill, the A6 is slow going uh, southbound approaching the roundabout. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 7.46, Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are calling for more police patrols after a teenager was murdered at the weekend. MPs are criticising the Royal Household by spending more money than it earns and not keeping its buildings in good repair. In football, Milton Keynes travelled to play Carlisle tonight, while Stevenage play Crewe, and Wickham are at home to Portsmouth. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Let's uh, get the latest weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Further showers expected across the three counties throughout the course of the day. Some of those potentially quite heavy. You may get a rumble or two of thunder mixed in there as well. Now, it's accompanied by quite a strong southerly, southwesterly breeze, which will become gusty as those showers move through. So quite unpleasant, really, if you are heading out and about today. The maximum temperature just getting up to around 7 Celsius. That's 45 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, overnight tonight, further showers are expected and we're hanging on to the breeze as well but it's this low pressure which is sat on the north of the UK at the moment which is gradually starting to move southwards overnight and as it does so the wind will start to change direction so by dawn it will move from a southerly to an easterly but in the meantime the minimum temperature is not bad four or five celsius so through tomorrow again outbreaks of rain but coupled with this rather brisk easterly breeze it's really going to feel rather raw for Wednesday the maximum temperature six celsius 43 degrees in Fahrenheit but it's light Likely to feel a little bit colder. And that's your forecast. Thank you, Kate. Tonight sees more live football here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Reeves with a chance to make it two, and he has made it two. We've three games for you to choose from, so you can listen to MK Dons. It's a dream first half for MK Dons. Stevenage. Hakins with the shot, and he tucks it in. Or Wickham. McClure tries a shot into the back of the net. Wickham lead. They've been pressing and now they've got the lead. Choose your team with Three Counties Sports. Tonight from seven, here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Well, Justin uh, launched this. Apparently Brad Pitt is in the area. Justin will not tell us where he is. Justin Dealey, a reporter, will not tell his colleagues where Brad Pitt may or may not be filming. Justin Dealey, a reporter at the BBC, will not tell his BBC colleagues where Brad Pitt, a huge international Hollywood superstar, is. Basically, he won't give us, or indeed you, the news which you so richly pay for with your licence fee. So, we are opening it up to you, dear listener. Want Dealey's job? You can have it. It's Pit Watch. Steve's in Welling Garden City. Have you seen Brad Pitt? Yes, we have. Oh, straight in there. Boom shakalaka laka. Where? Um, up at near Bombing Airfield, on the old uh, airfield there by the Mount Prison. They're filming a German war film. Fantastic. And then when you say you saw him, how close did you get to him? Could you smell Pitt's Pits? Yeah, he was in the Black Cat pub in, uh, in Lie Green, just down the road. Yes. So, right, we've got this now. We, we can find him. He's in the Black Cat pub... What was he drinking in there, Steve? He had the private room out the back. Oh, look at that private room out the back. And what do you think about Justin Delia, a BBC reporter that you pay, not giving that information to the general public? I think that's very poor of him. <laughs> very poor of him. Did you get to speak to him at all, Steve? Did you say hello or, you know, salute him or anything? No. No, they, uh... They were keeping that in the back room. Yeah, keeping it in the back room. Steve, that's, that's what those Hollywood types are like. Thank you. That's the first call to uh, Brad Pitt Pitwatch. 08459 455 555. At 30 seconds, 30 seconds, we've got more from a complete stranger, although I feel Steve is like a brother to me now, than we've got from uh, Justin Dealey, who used to work on this show. Wowzers. Now, here's some uh, news. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near the uh, near to the historic airship hangars at Cardington. Councillors said if they had not given the go-ahead, the sheds would have fallen into disrepair and there were concerns a housing development would impact on the setting of the buildings. However, Patrick Tatton, the developer who will build the home, says this is good news for the listed buildings. We'll be able to get on with sustainable development. I know that the industries that are in the shed already now, and in particular the hybrid air vehicle, uh, which will give hundreds and hundreds of jobs and it will spread by producing um, further aircraft in there. Well, political reporter Paul Scoynes was there. You get all the best gigs, Paul. What (laughs) were the plans? (laughs) Well, Ian, these are known as the cathedrals of Cardington. And to uh, set them into context, they are huge, huge, big aircraft hangars. I want to say aircraft. They were airships from World War I. So just set into context, very flat land, huge, big things. So they're the grade two listed, grade two star listed, which is really quite important uh, a sort of historical uh, significance and um, these two developments that were approved last night uh, for just under 600 homes between them um, and they will be to the east and southeast of the sheds uh, now there are already uh, plans in place for a development around the north of the sheds for uh, just over a thousand or just sorry just under a thousand homes and another 130 homes to the southwest so eventually mm. uh, the concern was and certainly concern from some of the residents was that there would be you know you would just have this sort of area surrounded by homes and at the moment it's em- it's open space and, and it would detract some way from the significance of these buildings we're always doing stories on here about how there aren't enough homes we need more homes. Homes have to be built. 
1,600 homes in total, thereabouts, could yeah. be built here. Why are the plans so controversial? Well, I suppose it's, it is that balance, isn't it, between whether or not you build around these sorts of historic buildings or, uh, you know, you, you sort of have to pay off between those homes that were needed and, and indeed the sort of significance of the buildings. The, the scientific officer said it would lead to more contamination. The conservation officer at the council, uh, as well as the campaign for protection of rural England, English heritage, all said it would cause, quote, substantial harm to the setting of the sheds. The Met Office even said it would, uh, the, the amount of housing would impact on a weather station and would disrupt the amount of wind that was going around the area. Uh, and I suppose also... So it would disrupt the amount of wind? Yeah. OK. Would sort of act as a barrier yep. to the weather station at Cardington. Now, these are, 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 I say, you know, huge buildings. You can see them from far away, and the council decided that ultimately you would still be able to see them from far away. Uh, there would be some trees to uh, disrupt the, uh, the the skyline, if you like, to sort of break up mm. those houses so you wouldn't uh, perhaps sort of get so much of a distraction from the uh, buildings around it. What happens next? Well, they, uh, the, the res- restoration of Shed 1, which indeed is being paid for as a result of these uh, houses and the development costs, uh, will start immediately. And uh, the developer you just heard from was telling me last night that some of the, uh, some of the, the metal beams in these uh, buildings cost upwards of three quarters of a million pounds each. That is a lot of steel, indeed, wow. all in total. 4,000 tonnes of steel go into Jeez. one of these sheds, so a huge amount. So that will start soon, uh, and indeed we'll also then start seeing the groundworks on the homes and roads going in as well. So before you know it, I would see those homes would go up quite quickly. Plans for a wind turbine as well. Always split. I think they are magnificent, beautiful things, but it, d- it d- divides people's opinion, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that was what was heard last night at the meeting too in Bedford. There was you know, talk of this one turbine at Soul Drop, and that was approved too, uh, and the concern as well again that it was visible from far away uh, but uh, the councillors decided that there were already wind turbines in the area and therefore it was uh, deemed that you know you already have those sort of experiences and, and the countryside wasn't going to be disrupted as a result of it. Well, thank you for that. While I've got you here, we always uh, talk about Barnfield Federation, the investigation into the college and the academy. Uh, We're still waiting for several reports now. What's going on? What's the latest? Well, we were supposed to have these reports before Christmas. Let's not forget that. It's now past Christmas and indeed the reports aren't any closer to being published. I've heard from the, uh, the two departments and this is perhaps... Part of the reason why there is some dis- delay, there's two departments involved in this, two government departments, the Department for Education, uh, through their de- uh, education funding agency mm. inquiry. There's also the Department for Business, Innovation and Skills, and they're responsible for the Skills Funding Agency inquiry. So you've got two departments who are both investigating similar things, but different age groups. Mm. And then on top of that, you've got another government inspector who's now overseeing the whole thing. He's not going to come back for two weeks, uh, so we expect the uh, reports to be published sometime after that. Uh, and indeed, it'll be his report to the minister, which will then trigger those reports to be published. So I've been told on good authority uh, that these reports won't be for at least two to three weeks now. Paul, thank you. Let's hope the relevant parties were listening properly this time so we don't get any more spurious emails accusing us of things that we haven't said, <laughs> as we often get in these situations. Paul, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Some text. Ian, sorry to hear about your parents' illness, but please, this is a morning breakfast show with young children listening. If you feel that this intense, this type of intense radio journalism is your style, gosh, wowzers, perhaps you should consider a different time slot. Lighten up, play some happy music, keep it simple. 
<laughs> wow! Seriously, we don't need this depressing talk so early in the morning. Leave that to JVS, <laughs> says Susie Q in Houghton Regis. Well, hopefully the, the talk about Barnfield yeah. and those new houses has lightened things up. Yeah, a bit of historic... Do you know Batman was filmed in these sheds? Can I say that? That, that will sort of lighten the mood. Can you say that? I can say that. I think, well, OK, Susie Q wants some um, kind of uplifting music. I, I feel we ought to do something like that. Uh, should... Well, take that. Did uh, their uh, tour rehearsal in one of the... Uh... Cardington Sheds too. Got any? Got any? Take that. You want a bit of take that? Coffee? Well, just if you've got some. I mean, they did the um, rehearsals for one of their recent tours. So, for example, I don't. Okay, I tell you what I'd like you to do, Paul. Let's, uh, mm. th- th- in fantasy world, you would be hosting a music show. I've <coughs> often thought this. So yeah. this is your chance. We've got Take That, Relight okay. My Fire. Okay. Uh, we've got DJ Paul Scoynes. Over to you. Well, it's been some time since we heard this particular gem, but uh, it always never fails to ignite my passion when I relight Lulu's fire. What? That was terrible. Well, that's quite enough of that. I hope that, uh, Susie Q, that's uh, certainly lightened the mood. Certainly lightened my mood, Ian. You are actually flipping good as a, a, a pop... A pop man. <laughs> pop man! That doesn't even mean anything. Uh-huh. You never considered doing a little bit... Here's another one. OK, we've got Love is in the Air, John Paul Young. Dedicate it to Susie Q. Go on. Susie. Love is in the air when I press your button, this button... That's, to be honest, I mean, that really is... In fact, if anything, that's probably going to garner more complaints. I, th- I think it might do, yeah. Love is in the air Everywhere I look around Love is in the air Every sight and every sound And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But well, that was uh, loving this in the air with. Uh, that was dedicated to. Let's go through it. Love is in the air there for Susie. And uh, I'll tell you what else is in the air cars for travel. <laughs> travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There aren't any cars in the air, I'm afraid, but there are quite a few on the speed sensors. The A5 southbound, slow in patches through Dunstable and Mark Yates, and the A1M southbound also heavy going between the Stevenage junctions 8 to 7. The M25 anti-clockwise queues between junction 18 for Chorley Wood and 16 for the M40. Also slow going between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. On public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Good to clarify, there are in fact no cars in the air, otherwise it could be very, very messy out there. Wowzers. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show, including should assisted suicide be legal in this country? I've not heard a decent argument to say no. 08459 555. Let's get the news now. Here's Jane Killick. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. People in Bedford say they feel unsafe after the murder of a teenager. Hundreds of homes to be built near the historic airship hangars in Bedfordshire and man slashed across the face as he tried to stop a woman being attacked in Dunstable. BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford have told BBC Three Counties Radio they want to see more police patrolling the streets if they are to feel safe again. It comes after teenager Isaac Stone was stabbed and killed in Costin Street on Saturday night. These local residents say something needs to be done. This road, I don't know why, always is someone dying on this road. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's crazy. There don't seem to be any police about anymore like there used to be. I think that has a big effect on the area. I'm sure if there were police about, a lot of this wouldn't happen. I'm terrified to walk anywhere, you know, when it gets dark. It frightens me sometimes. I must admit, walking down here... A committee of MPs has criticised the royal household for spending more than it receives and failing to keep its buildings in good repair. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs, possibly by cutting back on present levels of staffing. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near to the historic airship hangars at Carlington in Bedfordshire. Councillors say the sheds would have fallen into disrepair if the development hadn't been given the go-ahead. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes sent this report from the council meeting. Whilst there were concerns about the impact on the view of the historic sheds, the number of homes and the fact it's being built in the countryside, plans went through by six votes to two. The plans will see the shed one fully restored, which the applicant says would not have been possible otherwise. And there's been assurances there'll be more trees planted to help neutralise the impact of nearly 600 homes. The latest economic figures are expected to show that last year was the best since before the global financial crisis and the start of the recession. The Office for National Statistics is likely to confirm that 2013 saw the fastest growth since 2007. A man has been slashed in the face with a knife at a car park in Dunstable. He was trying to stop a woman being attacked. Lee Agnew has the details. The attack took place last Thursday afternoon in a residential parking area on Southwood Road. The 35-year-old man stepped in when he saw the woman being assaulted. He was slashed several times across the face and head with a knife before being bitten twice on the nose. The offender is described as a white man of Mediterranean or Arab appearance in his early 50s of average build and wearing a dark baseball cap, green jacket and blue jeans. In football, three of our teams are in action tonight. In League One, the Milton Keynes Dons travel to Carlisle and Stevenage play Crew. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers are at home to Portsmouth. And the weather, a cloudy day with few bright or sunny intervals, but showers or longer spells of rain as well and a high of 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Where have you been the first two hours? So far, I've had a row with a uh, uh, councillor, conservative councillor, and I've caused a Christian to hang up on me. Lots more to come. Let's see who we can offend in this hour of the show, shall we? People living in one part of Bedford fear their neighbourhood has become the town's front line. They're telling us that Midland Road has been left to the criminals who'll carry on as they were once the current police crackdown comes to an end. If you live there, I'd love to hear your stories. Getting lots of calls and texts about that. And a Buckinghamshire man hopes the story of his life will sell well enough to fund his death. Roger uh, Bailey from North Crawley says he's lived to the full, but now he has cancer and feels booking into a Swiss clinic is the only way to end it with dignity. 
Is there an argument against legalising assisted suicide that doesn't come from a point of faith? I don't think there is. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the Midland Road area of Bedford has become the town's front line and will be again once the current police crackdown comes to an end. That's what people living and working in the area are telling us in the wake of the fatal stabbing of 19-year-old Isaac Stone on Saturday. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, heard some of their concerns yesterday. I'll tell you what, I've been stabbed three years ago, you know. My friend's been dying here on this road, yeah. Three years ago, he's been stabbed the same, to death, yeah. On, on Midland Road? Yeah, Midland Road, yeah. Three, three years ago, yeah. So this road, I don't know why, always is someone dying on this road. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's crazy, you know. Anything that could be done about Midland Road? More policing. There don't seem to be any police about anymore like there used to be. I think that has a big effect on the area. I'm sure if there were police about, a lot of this wouldn't happen. But it's one of the, it's one of these areas. It's one of these places. It's always been suspect to sort of crimes and things like that. So, are you happy with your daughter living just off this road? No, but it's just got worse. I'm terrified to walk anywhere, you know, when it gets dark. It frightens me sometimes. I must admit, walking down here. I don't know, it's just the way this road is. It's always been like that. How can you change something that's always been the same? If you live there, work there, drive through there, give us a call this morning, 08459 455 555. Aisha Bashaw uh, runs a youth club in Midland Road and joins me now. Morning, Aisha. Hiya, good morning. What's it like there? Um, well, I, 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 I was born in Bedford, but then I moved to Bigglesay, so going back there to do the work that I carry out, at first it was scary because the council gave me funding um, for the base on Midland Road. So when I did go there, I was just like, oh God, where have I ended up? Um, but to be honest, I've worked there for one year now, and going back and forth, I actually love the area, and it's only because I've got to... I was able to build a relationship with the local businesses. I know the local faces. Um, you know who's going to walk around at that time. And it's the people that I was first scared of, and I thought, okay, that person's probably dangerous or that person's probably going to attack me. They are actually the loveliest person. Um, so I love Midland Road, and I'm not just saying that because I run my organisation there. Do you I'm, feel safe there, Aisha? I do feel safe um, because I know, you know, the local faces and stuff you won't see any new faces like you see the young people walking around you you know you see the business people but i think people don't feel safe is because they either don't live around that area and if they do live around the area then obviously like the lady said she probably said no is because of what recently has happened mm. and she's probably worried for the her child's safety but people that like live in the town area and they come in through uh, midland road they are the ones that feel scared because they don't know what to expect. Um, but I'll just say, I think the whole atmosphere has been created because there's so many different ethnics and, um, you know, different backgrounds there and a lot of people that have migrated over from different countries um, that live in that specific area. Now, not to do anything with, you know, if they come from a different background or anything, but it, I think it just created that 
um, it's not the normal community sense that you'll get elsewhere. We've heard talk of gangs uh, creating problems and increasing tensions there. Would you agree with that? Have you spotted that? Well, I work with young people and we obviously have been open for one year and it was hard for us to get these young people off the street into our um, youth centre. We do have young people that attend, up to 20 of them. Obviously, we can't get every single one um, because it is hard for them to come in. But I would say that it's all got to do with drugs and um, knife crime and with these young people that are aged around 16 to 19, they think it's cool to hang, you know, to carry weapons. They think that, or, they, or they're or they doing it for their own safety, you know. They're probably carrying weapons for their own safety. And the reason why the knife comes in this is simply because of drugs. And no one in the community can say it's not drugs. Everyone knows it's drugs. And I understand that you guys, like everyone has said, that we need more policing. I, obviously, being a youth worker, I have spotted community um, officers and, you know, we've tried to get them to talk to our young people and, you know, they didn't. When they were talking to one of the young people, because I brought them in and I said, look, come and speak to one of the young people. The young people were like, no, we're not speaking to them. They grass us up. We are not speaking to them. And then I think it's important. We need to build that relationship first. How can you break down that resistance from the young people then? I think, you know what, I think schools need to do more, like, projects around um, things like this. Because young people are always at school, aren't they? Um, obviously, depending if they're not in, not in education anymore. But when they are, I think we need to target schools. Or schools need to allow other projects to come in and not think it's going to be a threat or ruin their reputation. Because a lot of schools fear that, oh, if we talk about knife crime or drugs, it's going to make our school look bad. Because, I don't know, maybe Ofsted might think that that a lot of young people do that. But they have to think that it's going to help the well-being of the young people. So maybe that is a strategy we can use. Um, And in terms of more policing, okay, fair enough, we can have more policing, you know, every single day. That would maybe help, yeah. But I honestly think, like, listening to all the communities, I understand they're scared. And me doing outreach work myself with my team, it's all about community getting together and doing something productive for the younger generation. Um, We can't always rely on the government. We can't always rely on the local council. We can't always rely on the police. Like, they are doing their bit. Government have got a lot of um, programs that they um, invested money in um, in many places. But we can't keep blaming them. I think the community need to really step up the mark, work with local organisations like ourselves, um, see what we, you know, try and do to help young people, and we need their help to make it happen. So that's my opinion, really. Aisha, I appreciate your time for putting that forward. It's Aisha Bashaw, who runs uh, a youth club in Midland Road. If you want to give me a call on that, 08459 555. A text here from uh, Brigitte in Bedford. As a Bedford resident, I'm deeply saddened to learn of yet another young person losing their life as a result of knife crime in the town. The area this happened in is yards from Bedford Police Station, yet it's openly a hive of criminal activity and is only ever policed after an incident. Something needs to be done to deter such behaviour. A regular police presence and regular use of stop and search powers will be a start. Uh, On the subject of... Um, should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? Jenny has uh, posted a rather long comment on Facebook. I I hope you'll indulge me and let me read it. It's not often I agree with you, Ian, but in this instance, I do. 
I firmly support dying in dignity and Lord Falconer's bill. It's a person's right to choose how and when their life ends when it becomes intolerable. We who are not dying have no right to say that their life is still worth living. It's their life and they are the only person entitled to make that judgment. I have an advanced directive as I do not wish to end my days in pain, suffering and indignity or have my life prolonged by artificial means just because some doctors believe their duty is to keep patients living by whatever means despite their wishes. Some may choose to extend their days as long as possible despite what they may or may not suffer. That is their choice also. I want a good death at my time of choosing. The recent Coronation Street storyline has highlighted the issue but did not show all the problems one has to face. At present, one has to guess how to end it and may in fact simply exacerbate the problems if it fails. Haley got it right, some don't. Or travel abroad while still fit enough to do so. If we had a fail-safe of knowing that someone qualified and knowledgeable would give us the means to end our suffering, we may be prepared to wait longer. As it is, we may have to leave our loved ones too soon whilst we are still able. It does... I struggle to see an, to, to, to hear an argument against assisted suicide. I really do. And the arguments you tend to hear against it seem to come from a very strong Christian background. Not knocking Christians, but they, they have their faith, and in their faith, suicide is, um, is a sin. I don't buy into that, to be honest. I don't buy into that. 08459 455 555. Catherine, you've got some texts there. Do you, have, do you yeah. want to read some texts? Yeah, the argument for palliative care, says Ken of Redbourne, is untrue. Your body gets used to morphine and near the end, the dose needed to kill the pain would also kill the patient, so you're left to suffer. In reality, at the end, most doctors give a lethal dose of morphine, so we do have an unofficial assisted death. It's just that the patient doesn't get to choose the time. This happened to my dad, says Ken. And George um, poses the opposite argument. How will you separate the man who wants to die from the man who's being persuaded to die by relatives who either want the money or are too selfish to care? Well, yes, that's the uh, that's that's the the kind of only fly in the ointment I can see. It would have to be pretty uh, strong measures around it. And I don't think it's as well. You're not going to get tens of thousands of people popping off every year. It's going to be a really small number of people, I would imagine, that do it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Come and give. Come on, you're you're good at this. Normally, give me a good argument as to why assisted suicide is wrong. Give me a good argument. There isn't one. There really isn't one. If I am in pain, if I am humiliated, embarrassed, miserable, in pain, and I'm going to die anyway, why shouldn't I say, actually, do you know what? I'm going to go six months earlier. I'm going to go a year earlier. Why shouldn't I have the right to do that? To stop the misery for me, and also indirectly... Wouldn't be the main reason, but indirectly easing the pain and misery on my family. My last image of my dad is him as a shivering, hollow, skinny man, naked, lying on a bed, covered with a bed sheet, talking nonsense because he was off his face on morphine. Not even sure I was there. Didn't even know who I was, except for one clear, clear moment. One moment just as I was leaving, and he said something very profound to me, which will be my secret that I will carry to the grave with me. That one moment. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five eight fifteen. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 southbound's very slow going between Markgate and Redbourne at the moment. And the A1M southbound heavy now between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. 
On the speed sensors, the A10 southbound also very slow between Wormley and Enfield, and the M40 northbound queuing from the Denham roundabout up to the M25. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 8.16, it's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford are calling for more police patrols after a teenager was murdered at the weekend. A man from Buckinghamshire is selling a book about his life to fund his death with a final journey to Dignitas in Switzerland. In football, Milton Keynes travel to play Carlisle tonight, while Stevenage play Crewe and Wickham are at home to Portsmouth. The weather, showers or longer spells of rain today and uh, staying breezy and full marks to me for not belching throughout that whole bulletin even though I was really desperate to BBC Three Counties Radio Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standard song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better. I always felt that wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice. Absolutely, you've got it. You've nailed it. I am so happy. Thank you. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12. Just took that wind there. (laughs) (laughs) But my burps, I can't do a big burp. It it just comes up as a little... (laughs) I can't. I don't... This is true. I'm going to say something and you'll think I'm being vulgar and making a joke. I'm not. Do you want to say it? Yeah, I want to say it. I don't have the correct sphincter in my mouth. Now, that is a true thing. <laughs> I know, see, look at you, giggling like a schoolboy. It's not vulgar. It's true. You have sphincters in your, in your throat. Really? Yes, you do. And I don't have... I, so basically, I'm, I'm pretty much entitled to a blue badge. I don't have the sphincter in my... I think it's sphincter that allows me to belch. I've never heard of I mean, a sphincter it's, in it's, your mouth. It's true. Oh eight four. It's true, isn't it? Doctors. A lot of doctors listen to this show. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's true. It's the muscle that contracts them to allow you to belch. So mine just come out as a like that instead of. A, I was always jealous of the kids at school that could belch the alphabet or swear words. Oh, couldn't gosh. do that. I I just gave those youngsters disdainful looks. <laughs> do you- I bet you did. I did. <laughs> I bet you can be Wendy Pops, though, when you need to. <laughs> thing is, well, I leave it to a private room. <laughs> now, listen, you're, I know you're a serious broadcaster. I don't want to drag you down to my, uh, my shame. What's on your <clears throat> show this morning? We're coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine. I'm asking, is it our duty to welcome Syrian refugees to this country? The government is drawing up plans that could see thousands of Syrian refugees moving to the UK. Germany has already agreed. Listen to these figures. This is quite shocking. Germany's agreed to take as many as 10,000 refugees. The French have pledged to rehome 500. Quite different, isn't it? Gosh, Okay. yes. Uh, The UK's already welcomed several thousand asylum seekers since the war began, but campaigners say we must help more. Well, let's face it, we've not done anything to help in terms of war, have we, to try and uh, assist the Syrians. So is this the least we can do? Do you think it's our duty to welcome Syrian refugees to this country? From nine this morning, I want your views, 08459 455 555. Perhaps you do think it's the least we can do. It's something that we can do to try and help these vulnerable people. Or 
Is this another case of not our problem? Leave them to other people to deal with. We're already full. 08459 455 555. Is it our duty to welcome Syrian refugees to this country? It's the big phone in at nine. I look forward to hearing Jeffney from Bracknell on your show. Should be a lot of fun. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. I wasn't being vulgar or obtuse there or difficult. I do. It is. A, it, it's a sphincter in your throat, isn't it? It's a muscle. It's the muscle that does it. I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. I need a doctor, please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now onto slightly more serious issues. It's certainly got uh, people very heated this morning. Would you pay for a book knowing the proceeds will fund someone's death? Cancer sufferer Roger Bailey is hoping money from his autobiography, If Only I Knew Then, will pay for a visit to Swiss clinic Dignitas. His life story tells how he made and lost three fortunes, had a string of lovers and took his wife and mistresses on trips to the south of France on his yacht. Well, now he's in constant pain and wants to die with dignity. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been asking people whether assisted suicide should be legalised in this country. I don't see why not. When I see some of the... I am a volunteer with Age Concern, and when I see some of these people in their homes, in their, you know, care homes, just sitting there all day long, you know, no real life, I don't see why they, if they, that's what they want. It's quite interesting there. You mentioned what you do. So you've seen people who are quite literally suffering day in, day out. They're, they've just got no quality of life, have they? They're just sitting there, not, don't even know really what's on the television or what's going on in front of them. I mean, what kind of life is that for them or for their relatives to see them deteriorating like that? You're seeing people suffer. Have they ever said to you, I just wish that I could die right now? Oh, yes. Yes, I have had that said to me. And I, you know, what do you say? I say, well, you, you, try, you try to tell them that they're all right, but you know really that they're not all right. So, yes, I think... Um, I see no reason why they shouldn't be allowed to die. I mean, we don't let our animals suffer, do we, at the end of the day? Well, that's Justin Dealey asking, uh, should assisted suicide be legalised in this country? 08459 455 555. Well, the gentleman who's uh, lived the life and has written the book is Roger Bailey. He joins on the line now. Morning, Roger. Good morning, Ian. Uh, what gave you the idea to write this book? I think it was because um, I've always felt there was a book in me at some stage, um, but I felt when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2011, it's sort of a a now and ever thing, um, because uh, according to NHS figures, uh, 47% of people with prostate cancer die within five years. Um, and I turned down the, 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 I was given the opportunity to have the prostate removed, but I turned that down because at the time, um, there was a one in five chance of becoming incontinent as a result of that operation. And I just didn't fancy that at all. Well, of course, subsequently after I had the tumor, I've experienced that. So that's a bit ironic in some ways, but I'd just like to say, um, I just caught the tail end of your, your last contributor, uh, and I thought that was absolutely spot on. Um, I had to watch my mother suffer in a nursing home for six years. And uh, in fact, she had said many, many years ago um, that uh, please don't let them give me life support. When the time comes, I want to go. Mm. Um, and in fact, I think I can seem to remember right from the age of about 45, she was a member of one of the sort of euthanasia organizations that um, was in the UK at the time. 
but I don't know a lot about that because I, I was, you know, obviously quite young at the time. What condition are you in now, Roger? How are you feeling and how does this cancer affect you? Well, the cancer has actually um, uh, sort of not gone into remission, but it has stabilised itself, not from the uh, medical treatment, but from having Chinese green tea, which uh, a number of my business colleagues recommended, and it's worked for them, and it's stabilised me. Uh, My biggest problem is having the shock of that, um, finding that tumour in my spine and the damage it's done to my nervous system. How, how has your nervous system been damaged? Can, I mean, does it affect? Can you? Does it affect your limbs? Does it affect your mobility? Oh, crikey, yes. You know, I I I, I have to walk with a stick. Um, some days the best I can walk is about fifty yards, um, and I'm in constant pain from the damaged nerves all the time. I mean, last night was a particularly bad night. I had about three hours sleep. I, I, I between about three fifteen and six fifteen. Um, and, and what are they giving for, you for that? Have you got morphine, tramadol? What's happening? Well, no, I've, I've tried gabapentine, um, and that is a nightmare because when you look at the side effects, and I was getting those terribly, um, I, I came off that within two weeks. Amitriptyline was also tried, but you end up being a zombie till about three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I decided at the time, right, I'll put up with the pain. But unfortunately, and, and this was probably somewhere in the region nine months ago, but unfortunately, as the months have gone on, the pain seems to have got worse. So uh, you're not saying, let me get this right, Roger, you're not saying you want to die now? Um, or are there you? There are many days when I, if I had the plane ticket, I'd be on the plane to go to Switzerland. Do you want to die today? Um, <sighs> difficult. Um... As I say, there are many days when you do. Um, it's not as simple as dying today because it, it, I know that you have to go through quite a long procedure with Dignitas, so that is not an option. Um, the so reason I, I ask, prepare myself for the that. reason I ask, Roger, is because there are some people uh, listening, or we may have even spoke to one of these people earlier on, who say this comes and goes. And if you're saying there are some days you want to die, and I, I'm, I'm picking up by implication some days when you don't want to die then that could be used as an argument against assisted suicide. Yes, I, I, I agree, it is. It is a big decision to make, um, uh, but I have been consistent in um, wanting to do it um, for probably a couple of years now because, you know, people say it's a shock when you get um, diagnosed with cancer, and I think on reflection I would, I would agree with that. Um, and you have to decide how you're going to cope with it. And, and that was the way, even way back in 2011, I was, that's when I first started uh, getting involved with Dignitas and, and, and going through the, the procedures and, and getting in t- contact with them. Um, but, of course, like everything, um, first and foremost, you've got to have the money. How much does it cost? About £20,000. Oh, blimey, really? Oh, yes, it's about 13000 oh, for the services of the clinic. Um, you then have to reply, uh, supply a lot of medical reports, which obviously, you know, that has to be paid for. You, you can't expect the National Health Service to, to start writing reports, so you have to pay for those reports. Uh, and then you have to have the funeral in Switzerland, because if the body's returned, whoever's bringing the body back um, could um, be prosecuted for, um, you know, assisting... Uh, suicide. Lots uh, of lots of strong, loud voices, Roger, saying, no, 
you don't have the right to do this. You do not have the right to decide when you will die. What's your response to them? Well, I think everybody has the right to make their own decisions about life. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd go back to what your contributor said, um, that I just heard the tail end of that interview, that, you know, she's watching people in nursing homes who have an appalling quality of life. Um, and, uh, you know, every week we're reading newspaper articles about... Um, I mean, there was one in the Telegraph in December where they were saying a thousand people die from thirst because they're just being left dehydrated. I mean, that's an appalling situation. Uh, I mean, there's another article in the Times which lies put at risk by nurses who can't use drips. And I, you know, with with the hospitalizations that I've had uh, just immediately after the the tumour is removed and subsequently because I've had to have various other operations because of the incontinence I've had to have a, a, a stoma colostomy and a suprapubic catheter and it's all extremely uncomfortable and I get infections regularly for example I've had two infections which have needed antibiotic treatment since Christmas mm. and this just is a, 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 an ongoing repetitive situation now, at the moment, I'm clear of infections, but, you know, I keep looking over my shoulder. It, it, when is the next one starting? You, you, know, you sound tired on. of it, Roger. You sound I tired. Am, I, I am very, very tired. Mm. Being in constant pain in my left leg, particularly. I mean, I got three hours sleep last night. Um, and um, because the antibiotics aren't working very well, um, I, I've been told by one of the clinics to uh, have eight paracetamol a day which I'm doing in an attempt to try and rebuild my immune system. Um, Roger, listen, uh, th- th- what's, what's the book and where can people get it? Well, the book is called If Only I Knew Then, because, yes, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but somebody said on the television interview a little while ago, if you haven't made mistakes, you haven't lived. Um, and um, its subtitle is Women, Their Part in My Downfall, and it can be got from uh, either Amazon as, a, as, an, on, as a, an electronic book or from www.rogerbailey.org as a printed copy, which I will sign at the same time. Roger, I really appreciate your time and your honesty, and it would be great if we could keep in touch and, and, and yeah. just see how your story progresses yeah. and what decisions you make. Fine. Would okay. that be OK? Yeah, lovely, Ian. Roger, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. There bye we bye go. Now. There we go. I don't see how you could argue against that. Can you? Can you argue against what Roger has just said? I don't hear an argument. I'm normally pretty good at playing devil's advocate and at coming from the opposite side of the argument. I can't hear an opposite argument there at all. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five eight thirty. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, anti-clockwise, there are queues between Junction 20 for Kings Langley to Junction 16 for the M40. And on the M40 itself, northbound is queuing from the Denham roundabout to the M25. On the speed sensors, the A6 southbound is queuing approaching the Clophill roundabout. And in Aylesbury, the A41 heading towards the centre of town looking very slow from Aylesbury Road. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight. 
8.32, I'm Jane Killick. People living in the Midland Road area of Bedford have told BBC Three Counties Radio they want to see more police patrolling their streets if they are to feel safe again. It comes after teenager Isaac Stone was stabbed and killed in Costin Street on Saturday night. Planning permission has been granted for just under 600 homes to be built near to the historic airship hangars at Cardington in Bedfordshire. Councillors say the sheds would have fallen into disrepair if the development hadn't been given the go-ahead. A committee of MPs has criticised the Royal Household for spending more than it receives. The Public Accounts Committee says Buckingham Palace needs to reduce its costs. The weather, cloudy with showers, some of them heavy and prolonged, with a high of 7 Celsius. Under sport and in football, MK Dons are in League One action in the North West tonight. The Dons make the long trip to Carlisle without defender Sean Williams, who's moved to Championship Club Millwall. Manager Carl Robinson is keen to improve his side's midweek away form. I looked at our away form on a Tuesday night, it's appalling. To the, to the extent of, if I could add an all the away game since I've been here, a point every three games, we would have been either automatic in some years or in the playoffs last year. So we've got to take, I think it's, I think it's three wins in 21 or 22 away games on a Tuesday night. Stevenage could have Michael Doughty back in the team for tonight's league clash with Crewe. The borough remain bottom of the table. Manager Graham Wesley says they're desperate to get out of the relegation zone. We're just minded to get on and show that we're a lot better than where we are. None of us are, are proud of where we are. We're all humiliated by where we are. Um, none of us like to go home and look our families in the eye and say we're bottom of the league. And uh, every single one of us is, has got enough about him to want to make sure that we turn that round. Wickham Wanderers are at home to Portsmouth in League Two. The Chairboys will field a similar side to the one which drew at the weekend. Manager Gareth Ainsworth is excited by the visit. Huge game and a real, real looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's these games that you look forward to. You know, it's, uh, it's Portsmouth at home. It's a big ex-Premier League club, FA Cup winners recently, and we've got all that to, uh, to tumble down. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A busy old morning. Sometimes it's full of froth and uh, sugar and uh, bubble gum, and then sometimes it takes a slightly heavier turn. And I'm fine with that either way. I hope you are as well. Um, Yeah, we're speaking to uh, Roger Bailey, who's got cancer. He's written a book. Uh, and the funds from that book will go towards the £20,000 he needs to go to Switzerland and to be killed in Dignitas. He's in a lot of pain, he's incontinent, um, he's getting infections, he's got catheter, all kinds of things. Uh, and uh, he wants to die. How could anybody, how could anybody argue against that? I'm struggling to be impartial here. In fact, I, I can't be impartial on this one. 08459 455 555. If you've got an argument against it, I'd love to hear it. A couple of texts. Phil says, The argument against assisted suicide based upon religious views is offensive. Prolonging suffering of others because of your own faith must not be allowed. Stephen Milton Keane says, uh, Fine regarding you having assisted suicide. However, having been in care homes, seeing endless people whose kids dump them, uh, waiting for their inheritance. I know there would be thousands pressured into ending it all to please their kids. I am human. To ignore this is incredibly naive. Matt's in Luton. Morning, Matt. Morning. Matt, what would you like to say? Uh, we had a bad time yesterday and we went, Paul came down from London to see his mum. We went for a meal over to Leicester Arms and then we went to see, he, he popped across to see mum 
and he said, Dad, I'll, uh, I'll see you in a minute. And then suddenly he phoned me, Dad, you better get over here quick, she's had a real bad turn. And she's back, Margaret's back in the home at the moment. Back in the home, she come out of the hospital yep. last Friday. Okay. Um, and uh, now they've, they've, they've come to the conclusion that she, she doesn't go into the hospital anymore, they will do everything at the home to, to help her. And uh, she was really bad. She went grey, completely grey. I thought she was going to die. And it was on that stage, and he 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 couldn't realise. He, he it really hit him bad. Yeah. And we had paramedics come, and he gave her uh, air, like gave her the, uh, the what they put on the mask on. The oxygen And, and she got a bit. Of, she got a colour back, but the wheezing and the noise. Uh, her, she got fluid on the lungs, and they've got to try and control this fluid on the lungs. And he's he's then he's saying, uh, I think she should go to the hospital. And then he he's reading all the notes, and he's saying, the doctors have already said that if she comes to the hospital, then she's got to go back, and it's too much pressure on her moving her about. And we had we, the answer was in there. It was in your head been in our head for months and months. We know what's coming, and we wish it would happen sooner than later. And he was really... The doctor phoned up, and he gave her antibiotics, and we had to give her uh, antibiotics by him out. And uh, she had a fairly good night last night, but they then had to prop her up because she mustn't lie down because of the fluid on the lungs. It will choke her. And I'm thinking, of course, then I had to go home and I phoned the girls and, you know, Dad, when is it all going to end? And I said, well, I wish it would end soon. And that, that, it comes over you again and you're getting it down in a hole and you think you're never going to get out. But you know it's going to happen, but you want it to happen, but you're scared when it happens. And I'm a Catholic. I shouldn't think like this. But uh, when you're going through it, Ian, you know yourself, your yeah. mum's like, she's disabled. But when you see her, as the guy said before, when you go in there and you see all these people and they're just existing, it's, it's cool. Cool. It sounds like, Matt, and I hope you don't think I'm uh, crossing the line here, it sounds like you've accepted oh, well, there's I not long to go. Years ago, yeah, years there's ago. not long to go. Do yeah. you think that you said you got your son, and have you got daughters as well? Three daughters, yeah. Do you think they've accepted that the end is coming? Because I had the phone Claire, she's in Ireland. She's coming over this weekend. She'd already booked up to come over. Oh, Dad, I'm so pleased I booked up to see Mum this weekend. It'd be, as she said, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hadn't come over this weekend. And she said, Dad, it's, and she's really religious. I mean, she's the only one in the family that's kept the religion up, you know? But it, it's it's not the religion thing about it. It's the dignity. But you see, Margaret, when a dementia, they don't know. Everything is relying on us. They don't know, Ian. If you got, like your mum's got MS. My son-in-law had MS. And she had all the faculties. She can lay make a decision for herself when you've got to make the decision for your loved one it's damn hard Ian and the guilt the guilt hits you like a hammer you know 
Am I doing the right thing? I am for me. But am I doing it right for her? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, Matt. You've got, I've got tears in my eyes listening to you because you're reminding me of my mum and you're reminding me of my dad and it's a horrible situation to be in and you're doing exactly the right thing and you and know then that. this morning, Julie, for, I phoned Julie to say I was on the radio and her son suffers with epileptic heat. Dad, Julie said, Dad, Richie's just had a fit before he walked out the door. Now, it brings it all back. Everything I say... She's got her own problems. We've all got problems. Everybody's got problems. It's how you cope with them. And you must keep the faith, as they say. You must keep the faith in yourself and your family. Matt, would it be... I'm trying to find the right word, and there isn't a right word. Um, Let's go with better, shall we? That's probably the best of a bad bunch. Would it be better for Margaret if she passed over? Would you give us a call tomorrow? I will, yeah, yeah, I will, yeah. Sending you lots of love. I will, Ian. Thanks a lot. Man. Take care, fella. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Oh, dear. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. There you go. We're all uh, welling up a little bit here and that. Oh, dear. That's, good. that's hit me. That's hit me. Matt, thank you for that. Right. Onwards, let's go to Lynn in Hemel. Morning, Lynn. Good morning, Ian. It got me as well. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm a little bit teary. Excuse me if I'm a little bit wobbly. That's all right. I'm a <sighs> bit wobbly with you, so it's any help. Oh, dear. Right, what have you got for us? Well, I totally agree with assisted suicide. I lost my partner of 23 years, 12 years ago. He had multiple cancer. Um, from day one, they said he could die. Um, it dragged on for three months. He was in and out of hospital, morphined up to his eyeballs, and really angry. He totally wouldn't accept it. I used to sit with him 10, 12 hours a day, and he totally ignored me. He wouldn't speak to me. Why wouldn't he speak to you, Lynn? I don't know. I think it's because he just wouldn't accept it. And then one day I went in, after the best part of three months, he was home some of the time, and he just burst into tears and said, please take me home, they're going to send me to a hospice. And I spoke to the sister, and she said, "Um, do you know what you're doing? She said, he'll die, you know, within the next day or so. It's just at the end. And I said, well, I've got to, I haven't got a choice. And I did bring him home on the Friday, and he died on the Sunday morning. Oh, dear. But it, to be honest with you, Ian, I felt quite blessed by it, because yeah. I, was, I mean, he was desperately, desperately ill. 
And like other people have said, I was terrified of losing him, but I wanted him to go. Yeah. It's awful. You're, you're sort of torn because you want the person that you love more than anything in the world to die, knowing it's going to crucify you. But it gives them peace. And so I feel blessed because I was actually lying on the bed with him when he died. And he just turned to me and said, I can't breathe. And I said, it's all right, I'm with you. I'm always with you. And he said, I love you, Linny. And I said, I love you too. And then he just died. And when the Rennie nurses came round, they said that a massive blood clot must have just travelled up his leg and hit his heart. So he died really quickly. Oh, Lynn, you're setting me off again. <laughs> well, I might set you off a bit more because I didn't know what to do because I've never had anyone dying at home. No. And I said, I don't know what to do and I don't want you to take him. And he died at 9.25 in the morning and I kept him here till 6 o'clock at night. And I talked to him all day. I bet you did. And this will make you laugh because I phoned one of his best friends. And he said, I bet he's thinking I'm dead and she still won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that you kind of need that humour, don't you, when something like yeah. that happens? And I have to say, you did make me laugh this morning. Oh, well, just once. Why? That's a disappointment. No, you make me laugh a lot. Good, go on. But your sphincter's in your bum, darling, so no. you do need to see a doctor. No. <laughs> I think you have. I think you have them in their muscles. They're like muscles. I think you have them in yeah. your throat as well. No, apparently when you pass over, yep. your sphincter goes and that's, you empty your. I know. Uh, we all know about. Let's let we all know about the death poo. Yes, we do, Lynn. Uh, uh, listen, I appreciate your um, honesty this morning. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank <laughs> you for making me you, laugh. I hope you haven't got a sphincter in your mouth. <laughs> not not on this time of the day, anyway. Lynn, thank you very much indeed. Oh dear, look, I'm doing a Campbell. I'm welling up on the radio. That's no good at all, is it? Right, eight forty-five. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Do you want to talk? To, do you want to do that now? Or do you want to do the travel first? Should we do travel first? Let's do the let's do the travel first. Eight forty-five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise, queuing between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. On the A1M southbound, still heavy going slightly uh, between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. Starting to ease off, but is still basically going back to 9 for Letchworth. The A5 southbound, very slow on the sensors through Mark Yate. Also between Haddenham and Tame, things looking slow on King's Cross westbound. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Fossett, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. We're not going to do the news now, because we've got a call that I'd rather take instead of the news. So let's go to... Uh, we just spoke to Matt. We can speak to Matt's daughter, Julie. Good morning, yes. Julie. Hello, Ian. How are you? You're all right, love. I just thought your phone call for my dad was absolutely wonderful. And I just want to recommend, you know, just say how thankful I am that... You know, my dad is so... I'm so proud of him. He's a good boy, isn't he? He's absolutely amazing. And I think you have... You you had that call that was so brilliant. Um, And I just want to say that I do want Mum to go peacefully. I do. I really do. Because she is suffering now, Ian. Yeah. And she needs to be laid to rest, I think. I love her so much. And I love my family and love my dad. But I think we need to stop the suffering now. And um, I don't want... I don't want... I just want 
everything to be right, and it's not right at the minute, Ian. How are you, how are you, Julie? Um, not good. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> My son's just had a fit. He's, at, he's by the hall. How is the, it? Is, is your son all right? In the, in the, in the, in the, in the hall. Right. And he's still not caught up. <laughs> okay. But he's, he's, the fit's ended. He's, he's all right. No, he's it, just lying by the hall, and I'm trying him. to get him up, and he's not getting up. Oh, let him lie, let him lie there for a bit. <laughs> let him lie there for a bit. And, and Bernard, how good you are on Big Brother as well. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Who do you reckon... Now, listen, let's, let's indulge this for a second. Who do you reckon's going to win? What? Who's going to win? Oh, well, it may be Jim, but uh, do you know what I want? I want Sam to win. Oh, she's done nothing. But then she's been ill. She's oh, been ill, Ian. Well, then she should give half her fee back. <laughs> give the oh, money back. we going mad. What are you talking about, Big Brother? Listen, you're, you're very kind, uh, Judy. We love, we love Matt. Here's something. Matt used to hate me. He used to phone up and complain. <laughs> I know. I hate you, Ian. He, he used to phone up and complain, and I'm, I'm working my magic on him, and I, th- I think I he's think starting to like me. Magic. I, th- I think you've worked your magic, darling. <laughs> Well, listen, Julie, I, I, listen, I lost my dad last year, and this is why I'm crying, because it's reminded oh, me of him a bit. Ian. And my oh, mum's not very well either, so I'm all a little bit emotional. I oh, love you lot. No, but I, listen, I know what you're going through, and yeah. the end will come I'm soon. Trying to keep, I'm trying to keep happy. Yeah, I know. But it's hard. I tell you what, the, the, the thing, and I, I don't want to jump the gun a little bit, but this, I was devastated when my dad died, of course. Yeah. But we had such a laugh at the funeral. We had <laughs> such a laugh. Oh, it was oh, wonderful. It was wonderful. So listen, you've got a bit more sadness, then things will start to pick up, love, oh, all right? I hope so. All right, Julie, but thank you for calling. Dad, I, mean, I love my dad and my mum and my family, Claire, Helen, Paul. I and your, your, dad, your dad's handling this the best way he can. He's doing he all is. the right things, isn't he's he? amazing. Yeah. How he's handling it. He's doing all the right things. But I, I was absolutely in tears at that phone call, and I just had to phone you and say how wonderful you've handled it. Well, Julie, him. you're very kind, and I'm sending <laughs> you and your family lots of and love. I made it a little bit, a little bit, um, had a little bit, not sad, but just saying how grateful I am to have my dad and my mum. And tell, 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 go and tell them both that you love them. I will. Go and tell them both. Julie, it's I nice will, to talk yeah. to you. I'll speak to you again soon, all right? I will, darling. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. Well, whose fault is it that there are so many fat people in this country? It's a horrible word. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. But why do you want to kind of tiptoe around the issue? People are people. People aren't fat just because they're big. Tackling your consumer problems. Over the last few months, I've been palmed off every few days. There are some absolute rogues out there yeah. in the car industry. Tim, I'm going to send uh, Wayne in yes, to you. Let's get some detail and we'll get okay, this sorted out. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, <clears throat> there we go. Oh, dearie me. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. What's, uh, is this, uh, is uh, Dominique calling in about what we're talking about at the moment? Let's go there. Uh, Dominique, are you there? Yes, Dominique, yes. Hello, Dominique. What can I do for you? Hi. Well, I'm, I'm calling in regards to the whole discussion about assisted suicide. Yeah, go on. Um, What's your thoughts? I, I must say, obviously, you know, there's lots of, lots of touching stories today. Um, well, my, my thought is that, you know, the, the human existence is based in a very simple, the few very simple rules. Um, one of those rules is, I think, you know, ending someone's, someone else's life. Um, and I'm afraid if we start to break those little, these, these little rules, 
like this, for example, you know, is going to lead us further and further and, and our existence as a, as a human race. You know, th this will not stop there. If you can, if you can imagine what I said to your colleague before, um, if we allow assisted suicide now, what's going to stop us in the future, a few years after, you know, let's say that I have the depression and, you know, I don't feel like I want to live anymore. Yeah. And, you know, my, my, um, my pain might be not physical, but might be as bad as, you know, the person may be suffering with cancer. And you know what? I don't want to live anymore. So let's create assisted suicide for people with depression. And, um, and then, you know, it's a perfect solution also in the future to, to end many other problems. Maybe, you know, if we have, um, let's say, some nations in Africa suffering because they're suffering, you know, they, um, they're hungry, they have no food, and it's a physical pain. So maybe let's send some doctors, help them to, you know, commit assisted suicide because, you know, it's going to uh, stop the suffering. So I think, as, as much like I said, I think these stories today were, were really touching, and I'm glad that, you know, they were actually, you know, the person who actually suffering from, 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 from illness called the, the program, because we listen to the people who are watching it, but obviously we can't hear from the actual people who died, you know, suffering. They can't speak for themselves. So I'm slightly confused on it. What are you saying? Are you, I, I, I can't work out if your tongue is in your cheek or not. Are, are, you, are you for or again assisted no, suicide? I, I'm, I'm against. You're against I, it. I thought so. Okay. I think I think it's a very it's a very very thin line, and you know if well, it's, we it's we quite a fat line. line. It's quite a fat line between someone who's um, got terminal cancer and six months to live, killing themselves, and uh, us sending doctors over uh, over to Africa. It's, it's quite a big fat line there. Well, it is. But like I said, if we cross this thin line, this, it's a starting point. Us saying so who can die. Well, not necessarily, but let's, come back, let's go back to these people with depression, for example, you know. If I'm suffering with depression and I feel, you know, inside of me, I feel really big pain and I don't want to live anymore. So, you know, why do we not create uh, assisted suicide for people with depression? Or maybe, you know, there's, I'm quite sure there's a few other illnesses. So you're, 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 you're concerned that, that people may um, commit suicide just because they feel a little bit rotten or that it might be exploited for, for, to, to, to get rid of vulnerable people. Is that what you're saying, Dominic? Yes. Also, okay. like I said, I think yeah. it's a little bit deeper context there. You know, our human existence is based on a very, few very simple rules like respect for, you know, each, each other's lives. Um, so we don't kill each other. You know, I don't go and kill my neighbour or, or, or someone else it's just because I, I don't not. like someone. Yeah. I would hope not, Dominic. Thank you. For, I'm, I'm just finishing there because I want to squeeze in uh, a couple more voices before uh, JVS at nine o'clock. Helen's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Helen. Morning, Ian. Helen, what would you like to say? My mum was a nurse. I lost her last year in March. Um, she always said that if I ever became ill... And she couldn't look after herself. She wanted to, ha you know, she didn't want to be here anymore. She wanted to do something herself if she could. Yeah. Well, four years ago, my mum kept complaining of bad headaches. And she was meant to pick the grandchildren up from school. She didn't. So we got to the house and the police had to break in. They broke in and my mum had had a brain hemorrhage. And she was on the bathroom floor. She'd been there since half eight in the morning. And um, police broke in. They took her to hospital, operated on her. So the rest of her lives, Ian, she was being fed 
for the last four years, she was being fed through a tube in her stomach. She didn't know her grandchildren. Her skin was going black. And she was... She couldn't eat nothing through her mouth at all. Everything was going through a tube in her stomach. And there was nothing we could do because she was in this nursing home that they'd put her in, the hospital had put her in. And there was nothing we could do. And last March, after four years watching her suffer, she passed away. And that's not what she would have wanted. No. And three years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I, I come through it. I've got bladder cancer. I have a catheter on my stomach for the rest of my life. But if it ever come back, I know what I'd do, Ian. With your mum's passing, after four years of living like that, was there um, a sense of relief yeah, it was. for you? Yeah. It, you know, every time we went to see her, they'd say, oh, she's had a good day today. What's a good day, Ian? Mm. What is a good day to a person who can't speak and who can't can't eat through their mouths? They have nappies on. And she was a nurse and she helped people. There's, uh, there's no... Oh, I listened. I don't apologise. We've all been having a little cry today, so don't worry about that. Uh, there is uh, a, 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 there is a lack of dignity, isn't there? There is. In that kind of so life for someone. Dignity. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that you, you, you... Well, you've said this yourself. Your mum would have been appalled to have known she was going to end up yes. in that condition, she wouldn't she? She always said, I never want to go in a home. I never want to have to... I want to die... With dignity, that's what she always said. She and always said, if, if you can, I want, that's what I want you to do. And you've made the decision, Helen, that if your cancer comes back and is yes, aggressive... I have a, a cath- I have a catheter on my stomach all the time, 24-7. Yeah. And if it ever comes back and they say it's, in my, it's incurable, I know what I'm going to do. And I've even told my children this. And what have your kids got, said about they've it? they've gone along with it. Yeah. I would do it myself. I wouldn't let anybody help me or anything. I had uh, um, a, a conversation with my mum once, because she's very ill. Yeah. She's got I other things going on say. as well. So I had a conversation. I normally just texting you. I never well, usually phone. I'm glad, I, I, oh, you're Helen in Milton Keynes. Of course, it's nice to hear your voice at last. We get lots of texts from you. And I had that conversation with my mum, where she talked about how she had considered suicide, yeah. but she decided against it. Now, had she said to me, I'm for it and I need your help, I would have helped her without a, a, a moment's thought. Well, I have a son who's over in uh, Afghanistan at the moment, and he's a nurse over there, and I've told him, and he's always said that if he can, he will. He's ever come to it. <sighs> Helen, listen, it's really nice to hear your voice after all of your texts. Thank you. And I'm really sorry for your loss and what you're going through, and um, mm-hmm. you'll make the right decisions, whatever happens. Yeah, I will. Thanks and a lot. Thanks for a brilliant show this morning. It's absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Helen. Take care, love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. <sighs> Catherine. Hello. I feel, I feel uh, drained after that last 30 minutes, last 35 minutes. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. All right. Uh, sending lots of love to Matt and all his family and Helen and everybody, really, who's uh, going through a tough time. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Houghton Road, heavy going towards the centre of town before Bedford Square. And in Beaconsfield, the Amersham Road is slow southbound between Longbottom Lane and the A40. In Kings Langley, the A41 southbound is queuing as you approach the M25 on the speed sensors. And then the M25 itself, anti-clockwise, is queuing between Junction 19 for Watford and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Oh, man, I'm going to go and have a little cry in my car now, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Thank you to everyone who called in. Just the most honest calls. Matt will be thinking about you and your family today. JBS is up next from me. ta Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday. It's nine o'clock. And on today's big phone-in, is it our duty to welcome Syrian refugees to this country? The government's drawing up plans.